0: And shiner, gonna be an all nighter, and I just might find her at the water burger line, dance hall. Howdy, howdy, howdy everyone. everyone. Welcome back to another freaking amazing episode of your favorite podcast, and my ours. favorite, pro- and ours. <laughs> tex-ish, the show about some things Texas. And some things not. You should see my Spotify rap. It's just Texish, Texas, Texish, Texish, tex-ish, tex-ish, tex-ish Which we actually I'm had fast. a few people that had Texish yes, in did. their top five, which was very flattering. I'm so grateful. Very flattering. You by guys that. get t-shirts. You get a t-shirt. You get a t-shirt. I get a t-shirt. Be on the lookout for those as we've been teasing in the new year. We're we are gonna actually got them shipped. Like, they're we on have them way. shipped. They're on the way. We'll have t-shirts. We have a website that's going to be going up in the new year. Lots of other things in the works. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, before we get to our segments, before we get to our awesome interview with Dr. Michael Simpson, former military physician, badass amazing dude. Cannot wait for y'all to hear this conversation. He brings a lot of wisdom, a lot of joy, and which is so kind with us and with his time. Before we get to that, we have some not sponsors that are giving us no money. Everyone's favorite part Everyone's of the favorite segment. <laughs> Our first not sponsor today is Face Tattoos. Face Tattoos. I don't judge a book by its cover, but I do judge it by its face tattoos. Face Tattoos, do you like talking to people? Not anymore? Face tattoos, are you going to prison or are you coming from prison? Face tattoos, people are making money with face tattoos. Am I doing something wrong? Face tattoos, I'm really sorry for Post Malone. (laughs) Face tattoos, the Island Boys. What? What? (laughs) Face tattoos, they're cool now? Face tattoos, ow. (laughs) Why would you do that? I... Uh, like and honestly It's t- not legitimately. That a few people have done it Yeah, A lot of people are doing it now And it's like okay It makes me feel like It makes me feel like our parents Like oh my god how could you do that to your face it's But weird. how could you do but that how to, you to, you your do to your face Face tattoos It's on your face Face tattoos It's there <sighs> Face tattoos It's normal <laughs> I guess Face <laughs> tattoos I feel old Face tattoos Oh well Who's our other not-sponsor? Our other not-sponsor today is related to face tattoos. Thigh tattoos. Thigh tattoos. Thigh tattoos. tattoos. Do you have a personality? No? Get a thigh tattoo. (laughs) Thigh tattoos. Do you like looking at your quads? Thigh tattoos. Thigh tattoos. When you're afraid to get a face tattoo, but you still want people to know that you're a (laughs) scumbag. Thigh tattoos. Do you work out in the park sometimes? Thigh Thigh tattoos. tattoos. (laughs) Oh, my quad. Thigh tattoos. (laughs) There you go. Making that five-inch inseam work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's actually what my thigh tattoo says. Thigh tattoos. Do you make the tattoo face you or face everyone else? Thigh tattoos. I'll get one. (laughs) Thigh tattoos. I actually like them. (laughs) All right, man. All right. So would you like to know what happened once upon a time in Texas history? Once upon a time in Texas history. Does it involve Quentin Tarantino? It actually, in a way, does. Does it really? You'll see here in a second. And this is actually a bit of a story, so it truly is. Once upon a time time, in Texas history, the year was 1992. A mass of people descended upon Barton Springs, legs swinging in unison, their hands interlocked. Flaunting long hair and tan slender frames, they made for an attractive congregation, but all eyes were on the man leading the assemblage. Sporting a tight-fitting speedo, black eyeliner, and a steely gaze, he went by many names, Andreas, Mikhail, or simply The Teacher. At his beckoning, the collect- they collectively jumped into the cool water with a splash. For onlookers, look- the group spectacle was unsettling, but it was only a small glimpse into the Buddha, fi- the Buddha Field, a spiritual cult that had migrated to South Austin... From Hollywood. Created by Mikkel in the 80s, it promised its hundreds of followers salvation through exercises like cleansing therapy sessions and meditation. Even more, Mikkel claimed to have a direct connection with God, which he referred to as knowing. But all wasn't as it seemed, Seth. As the years passed, male members began to realize the hypnotic cleansing sessions run by Mikkel were actually fronts for his sexual exploitation. Wait, what? <laughs> what? The cult leader was seen in the that? weird stuff? <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? <laughs> I mean, if you could have just groped for the truth, you could have seen what was going on here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the teacher's manipulation only worsened as fleeing members were told they'd die without his, pater- his paternal support. It got to the point where I didn't care, an ex-follower says, and holy hell, a 2016 documentary about the Buddhafield cult. It might be I might be dead in a year, but it's better than being here for another second, one member said. With his cult crumbling, because many people in Austin were realizing that this cult was full of a bunch of very depressed, troubled Mm -hmm. people, Mikhail and his cult, the few members that were still a part of it, fled from Texas. Mm -hmm. The year was 2007, and he's still in Hawaii running his cult. Wow. But once upon a time in Texas history, there was a wacky sex cleansing cult right here in Austin. I feel like you could probably safely say there's at least one still around in Austin. I mean, but it's probably n- just not that big. I mean, now in Austin and Portland and sure. places that are more progressive, it's not that there's a sex cult. There's just more of a sex culture. <laughs> I mean, that's like America at large, right? Well, that's fair. That's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I just think it's pretty interesting that. Mm hmm cults are wild and you think man that's that stuff only happens in weird places but it was right here has its fair share of crazy cults i mean waco like that was a whole thing that's a whole thing there's probably the laredo yeah the laredo was was it laredo or del rio del rio is where they found the compound with the sort of offshoot of the seventh day advent Uh uh-huh We should just do a whole list of cults. We'll have a cult month. A cult month. Hey, uh, like and comment if you want a cult month. If you want a cult month, month, text us, comment, email us, textish underscore pod at gmail.com. I just created that 10 minutes ago. So we have that now. Yeah, it's necessary for the website and everything. Yeah, all that stuff. (laughs) But anyway, at one point there was a (laughs) insane cult (laughs) right here in Austin. There's a documentary. sex cleansing cult in Austin, Texas. sex cleansing Again, who would have thought that the gold you know, leader was sexually now, exploiting people now they just call it juice land <laughs> Actually, oddly enough, the supposedly the place where Rogan is going to build his comedy club, mm-hmm. the uh, One World Theater or mm-hmm. one, uh, yeah, One World Theater is the former home of. What's the date on this on the research article? Because he was going to build it there. I think he changed location. He changed that one. Okay, yeah, then, I think because there was like some environmental issues, or he was like, um, wait, there was a sex cult here. No, I knew you were going to do five. What? It's a, it's a small town. Don't. All Alright, so today's Small Town of the Week, since I'm pulling it up on my computer screen and Seth is trolling me. I'm not trolling. Here, you read the Small Town. Fine, okay. No, okay. I'm going to read it. It's, okay. it's my segment. <laughs> our Small Town of the Week comes by way of a friend of ours, potential future guest, Christian Wallace. I saw him post oh, shot. something about this town yeah. this morning and thought, well, let's we are it recording, so... Our small town of the week is Fife, or Fiffy, Texas. Fife is an unincorporated community in McCulloch County, Texas, United Mm -hmm. States. According to the Handbook of Texas, the community had an established population of 32 in 2000, the year 2000. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. It was established by Robert K. Finley. The community was named after Fife in Scotland, the ancestral home of A, not V, but A, first settler. Okay, cool. And that's it. There you go. Five Texas. Well, I mean, if you want to know, the coordinates are 31 degrees, 23 degrees, 26 degrees north, 99 degrees, 2304 west. That would make a good thigh tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> what if you got the coordinates of where you were born as a thigh tattoo? I promise you that exists. It definitely Somebody's does. Done it for <laughs> sure. Instead of the whole established mm-hmm. whatever, just, right. the coordinates. just the coordinates. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Not sponsored by coordinates. Not sponsored by coordinates. Uh, are you ready for our badass of, of the week? This is my favorite segment, especially when you do it, because uh. you, you find way better people than I do. I think I'm just better at Googling for what I'm looking for. Fair. Um, <laughs> mine always... What? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to leave it there now. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> So our badass is his name is Denton Arthur Cooley. He Can was, we confirm that it's he him? It is he him. All right. Uh, he was born August twenty second, nineteen twenty. Oh, a long time ago. Uh, and he died in November eighteenth, two thousand sixteen. Okay. Now, he's our badass because he was an American heart and cardiothoracic surgeon famous for performing the first implantation of a total artificial heart. What? But it doesn't stop there. Like, that's his huge, like, first achievement. Okay. Like, you know, plant your flag first. This fake heart, I did it. Yeah. Like, that's definitely his claim to fame. But he's also the founder and surgeon in chief of the Texas Heart Institute mm-hmm. and the chief cardiovascular surgery at the clinical partner Baylor St. Luke's Medical Center, consultant in the cardiovascular surgery at Texas Children's Hospital, and a clinical professor of surgery at the University of Texas. Wow, so, he was born in Houston. Okay, and he actually went to school at the University of Texas at Austin. A lot of people did. Hook okay. that. Okay. Uh, he, he was in a frat. He was part of the Texas Cowboys. He played basketball on the team. There was a time when people went to college and you could do all of. You those could do things. all those things. Everyone who went to college mm-hmm. did did sports everything. and frats. Literally everybody everybody apparently had time. To and do all those school things. school was a lot easier. Well, in fairness, he majored in zoology, <laughs> <weird>. <laughs> which I think just means he memorized a lot of, like, classifications of nice. animals. Uh, but then he became interested in surgery, and he decided to go to the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston and completed his surgical training at Johns Hopkins, the famous So university. he was really good. He was really good. Now... He, uh, he did a lot of really cool things. He completed his internship there, uh, and he worked with Dr. Alfred Blalock. I don't know Blaylock. if Blalock. I believe is how that would be said. And assisted in the first blue baby procedure to correct an infant's congenital heart defect. Aw. Which is really cool. Now, Which also means they made the baby not blue. The baby was blue. Now, I cannot... I cannot confirm or deny that the baby continued to be blue or, or off blue. I have just heard that if a baby's blue, that's bad. I've heard that's not, not optimal. Again, unless, unless I'm not a doctor. You're, unless you're part of that weird, like, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky blue tribe, thing, yeah, but I, th- the, this doesn't sound I don't like think, that. I don't think that was this. I'm just trying to confirm for everyone else. Right. This means that the surgery made the baby go from blue <laughs> to purple <laughs> to not blue, not it wasn't blue, right. and, and now it's blue. blue. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a different procedure. Got it. Yeah. Ironically called the red baby procedure. Ironically called the face tattoo procedure. <laughs> so here's why Cooley is our badass. Okay. A lot of reasons, but here's why I tied him to this particular podcast episode. In 1946, he was called to active duty in the Army, Army Medical Corps and served as chief of surgical services at the station hospital in Linz, Austria. He was discharged in 1948 with the rank of captain and returned to complete his residency at James Ho- Johns Hopkins, where he remained as an instructor. He went to London after to work with Russell Brock at the Royal Brompton Hospital. So, like our guest, mm-hmm. he served as a physician. Yeah, in a you know in a pretty significant time in our yeah. history. And I wanted to kind of tie that together. Yeah. yeah. I caught on to that. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, like that's that's the long and short of it. Really, like he founded the Texas Heart Institute. Mm -hmm. He performed the first uh, complete, you know, completely artificial heart procedure. And during his time uh, working with developing artificial heart valves from 62 to 67, mortality for heart valve transplants fell from 70 percent to 8 percent. Holy crap. Right. That's insane. That's amazing. It's just really cool. That's now, so cool. He continued to like play basketball as, as a surgeon. Like he, uh, he golfed a lot. He did a lot of really interesting things. The Denton A. Cooley Pavilion, opened in 2003, was actually named in his honor at UT. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts about his whole story. He was in court once, He doing whatever it was that he was doing. Um, I don't know why. It didn't specify maybe something for a future episode. But a lawyer asked him if he considered himself to be the best heart surgeon in the world. And Cooley replied, "Uh, yeah, I do think I'm the best. (laughs)
1: The
0: the lawyer then asked, don't you think that's being rather immodest?" And the the lawyer uh, and then Cooley was like, well, maybe. But remember, I'm under oath. That's I respect that. Yeah. A lot of people would say that's cocky. I respect. The, I mean, the lawyer did. The lawyer was like, aren't you being a little cocky? And he was like, yeah. I yeah. Feel, but like, I have to tell the truth. I mean, I'm also sure there's an element of you have to be that yeah. level of confident. Yeah. But like to do what the he amount did. like the the actual amount of things he did is ridiculously long. Is um, he one of those people like Peter Atiyah that just mm-hmm. everything he touches just everything he touches is, is, is gold like, and brilliant and things yeah. that I think are hard. Were easy, exactly. He, he mentally could like wake up and do heart surgery, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. for sure. He he pioneered bloodless heart surgeries for uh, a group of yeah, yeah. I like just all sorts of stuff. That is absurd. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. he is definitely our badass of the week. Our badass of the. I mean, he's our he's our second badass of the week because we interview <laughs> we interview a true true through and through living. living Probably not for that much longer because he's old. (laughs) Doc, if you're listening, that was a joke. You are not old at all. But Doc Mike Simpson is truly a badass. You're going to get to know him in this interview. You will see, as we experienced, he is kind. He Mm -hmm. is caring. He is stupid, intelligent, insanely, insanely thoughtful, Mm thoughtful. And a freaking badass. So Just, badass. The man has done badass things. He continues to do badass things. Now, as he continues to help men over forty find their edge, stay in shape, kick their twenty-year-old selves ass. Basically, mm-hmm. he he was he's one of those people that's so interesting because he's a force to be reckoned with and commands the room, but not in a domineering way. Turtle. Just he doesn't. He's one of those guys who doesn't have to posture. Yeah. It's not that he demands respect; it's that he deserves respect. Mm-hmm. That, does that make sense? Like his yeah. posture, his there's there's something that Dad used to talk to us about about it, about being quietly confident, mm-hmm. and that's that's what that's he not, was. He just completely thrown yeah. through, mm-hmm. capable, um, honest, a man of integrity. I yeah. am so excited for y'all yeah. to hear so what we, he has to say. We spent some time on Sanity Island for about <laughs> two hours and. <laughs> Got to know a little bit more of his story, yeah. more of his approach to his work as a physician, his work mm-hmm. as a, I mean, we can say an influencer in the yeah, in that male space. fitness veteran mm-hmm. space. Super awesome to talk to him. So without further ado, y'all, our badass, Dr. Michael Simpson.
2: Is it like a tightness thing or is there sort of like... No, 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 no. Or, I guess I didn't tell you about. It. So I went and actually formally got it looked at, and he's like, "Yeah, man." So he goes, "So you have no cartilage left at all?"
1: Oh, my God. that's fine. And he
2: goes, "He's like, he's like, it's all bone on bone. Mm-hmm. It's all arthritic." Right. He's like, "There's no stretching. There's no like physical therapy routine that you can sure. do." He's like, "It is what he goes. You're looking at surgery," and I'm like, "Well, when?" And he goes, well, "It depends on you." Yeah. And he goes, <laughs> "He goes, what's your typical week like?" And I told him, and he's like. He's like, you're doing all that on this? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, that's probably the only thing. He goes, the fact that you're compensating for it with, with, with strength and endurance yeah. mm-hmm. is probably the only thing saving you. he goes, but how much pain are you in? I go, oh, it's constant.
0: <laughs> you know, constant pain is fine. Which do you yeah. think for the pedestrian, it'd probably be worse, but because of all the other badass things you've done, it's like yeah, the pain it's, is pretty high. <laughs>
1: just the,
2: the, the real pain in the ass is like I get up, you know, 2 a.m., I'm fifty five, so obviously I get up twice a night as a minimum to piss, right? Yeah. So I get up and I sit on the edge of the bed for a second and I go, All right, so what's it gonna what's it gonna gonna be like? What's this fifteen feet gonna be like? Is it gonna be (sighs) a easy fifteen feet or is it gonna be a bad fifteen feet? Yeah. You know, and it's never like like uh, like going along the wall or anything yeah, but it's
1: true. like uh, just
2: it's just completely Yeah, it's just a pain in the ass. And yeah. All the accessory muscles that'll tighten up. What I recently I got wise to right before I go to bed, I get icy hot mm-hmm. and I put it on my thumbs <laughs> and I just rub my just whole wow. my whole sacrum down. Wow. Because for some reason when I'm asleep, those are the muscles that tighten up. Yeah. I guess to compensate for it or something like yeah. that. It's bizarre. So that's helped quite a bit.
1: Dang. But okay.
2: I really, I, I, totally overtrained this week. So like, really? yeah. So I did, uh, I did two, two in a day on Monday. Okay. I did the Dan her class, and then I did a strength and conditioning. And then I did two a day on Tuesday, and I did one Wednesday, and then Thursday I did strength and strength and conditioning. And I was supposed to go to class last night, and about thirty minutes out, I'm like, man, I just. I do not just feel can't. good at all. Yeah, I felt it felt like keto flu feels. Yeah, true. but I had like a big bowl of rice at lunch, so I'm like, this. There's no way this is ketosis. Yeah, this is just like cellular revolt or something. Ugh. So like I didn't. Yeah. So <laughs> this so, is my body rejecting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so I didn't go to class last night. I'm yeah. like, man. I, and my wife was like he's like, you're right. I'm like, no, I'm ready to go to bed. I'm ready to go to sleep. And she goes, you have COVID. D. Of course, that's always the first that's thing. That's the first thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I go, I don't think so. Like, I don't feel like I have a fever. I've got yeah. nothing respiratory. My taste is fine. I said, I'll see how I feel in the morning. <laughs> and as I'm laying, there, I go, I'll see how I feel in the morning before I decide if I'm going to go to jujitsu. And she goes, you're a faker. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, you feel so bad, but you're already talking about tomorrow. And I'm like. Look, I think I just need to sleep it off. Yeah, sleep yeah. is totally sleep, powerful. Dude, sleep <laughs> yeah. Is one. Yeah, of them. and I felt I felt great when I got up this morning. And so. if it was reversed,
0: yeah. like if you had rolled in the morning and strength was at night, do you think you would have gone to strength? No,
2: because I've. Uh, that's that ends up being like even harder. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because what'll happen is, I'll come because. Cause I've like I went to like Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. I went to I went to jujitsu, but then I didn't roll at the end. I okay. did all the drilling and everything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my hip was pretty tight because okay. I did because I did uh, squats and deadlift that day. Mm-hmm. So I'm like I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna roll. Yeah. I'll do everything other than that. Yeah. But the problem is 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 something that's unique to after you do jujitsu and you get cleaned up and everything. And you sit down for a little while. Mm-hmm. Your body just really starts to go.
0: <laughs> just
2: completely. Yeah. So it. then the idea of it, it depends. Like if I look. If I look on True Coach and like and the workout that's scheduled is like okay this is all, uh, it it depends on if there's a finisher at the end.
1: Yeah.
2: If it's just a uh, a one b a one and a two and b one and b two and c one and c and, and I can do that no problem. But then if the end is a for time and there's going to be some twenty minute thing at the end mm-hmm. and I'm not feeling energetic, sometimes I'll have to bump that to the next yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. So. But it's, this is what, this is your future. So this is what. (laughs) I was was curious, I was going to
0: ask, is part of this just getting to the point of understanding how your body works and and allowing yourself
2: that space. Yeah. It's just, it's all about recovery. Yeah. It's all about recovery. So, because that's the biggest thing that changes as you get older is your, is not what you can do. You know, the the muscle can contract, you know, you can still do that. Yeah. It's how long does it take? How long does it take to get creatine back? How long mm-hmm. does it take to get your glycogen back? How long does it take to repair the soft tissues? All that is affected. So Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah. It actually
2: would have been good on air. Oh, we're on air already. Oh, are we? So, yeah. <laughs> oh, so. we uh, we're pretty okay. sneaky podcast yeah, yeah. hosts. All We've right. learned um, that if
0: we just press record as we're catching up, yeah. Oh, perfect. we'll you just fall so. into yeah, it. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Dr. Mike Simpson, Dr. Mike Simpson, California Snowflake himself, has joined yeah. the show. <laughs> totally kidding. Neither of those yeah. things. <laughs> um, Doc, uh, yeah, a little bit of background. Doc Mike Simpson was a 32-year mm-hmm. service member, Airborne Ranger... Yeah. JSOC physician, the things you have seen and done could write a book. Right. And it wasn't even your first book. So we're still yeah. waiting for that still, one. We'll,
2: we'll get to that one. Yeah, Eventually. we'll get to
0: that yeah. one. And a little bit of background I had the absolute privilege of partnering with you a little bit to help you market your first book, Honed Finding yeah. Your Edge as a Man Over 40. Frankly, you carried the bulk of that just with your social media savvy. I would, and I would disagree.
2: I think I think you did the lion's share sure of the heavy lifting. Uh,
0: well, it, it, <laughs> it was still very, just as someone who respects you and admires you, it Thank was you so very much. cool to see your following and your friends rally behind you as well. Just throughout the whole launch of the book, it was so obvious that people respect you and hold you in high regard yeah. from, from that. So
2: it's it's been pretty awesome. It's say so, uh, I had a a bit of an emotional moment last week. Really? Um, It's, yeah, the, not, not really in a, not really in a good way, but there's a kind of a silver lining to it, I guess. So, um, the officer in Mesquite that was recently killed. Mm -hmm. So I knew that, uh, I kind of recognized him. People were posting pictures of him. And he was at the Invictus seminar that I was at, the law enforcement jujitsu seminar. Okay. And I did remember meeting him, but very vaguely, It was just Mm -hmm. a very, very quick interaction. And, uh. But uh, Chad Lyman posted about him, and he posted and tagged his Instagram handle. So I went and looked at his Instagram, and the first thing I saw was, oh, he he was following me. Mm-hmm. So then I started scrolling through his Instagram. Three weeks before he died, he posted a picture of honed. Oh wow! Yeah, he had his his jujitsu gi with the with it sitting on it. Yeah. You know, Talk about and how was it. Was it a graybeard
0: beard gi or was it just? No, a, no, it was just yeah, it was a regular his regular,
2: regular gi. But still, it was it was like wow. You know there was. Unbeknownst to me, there was a little bit of a deeper connection with yeah. this guy, right? So, Dang. yeah, it makes it, it makes it hit home, like in yeah. a way, you know, almost as if I, he was somebody that that I knew mm-hmm. uh, on a more personal level. So Yeah,
0: yeah. I, it, was it similar to emotions you felt? I mean, we're about to get super deep, super quick. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. What, was it? <laughs> Similar to emotions you felt if you've had brothers in arms that have also fallen, was yeah, it, kind of similar it, to it that? is kind of
2: similar to that. Because you know, I mean, you know, just just knowing about his background, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he was serving his community. He was a law enforcement officer. He was into yeah. jujitsu, so I, already I know we had a ton of things in common. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, people who did know him well, like Chad Lyman, who were friends of mine. So we had basically mm-hmm. one degree of separation anyway. We'd been in an event together before. Um, traveling a lot of the same circles, you know, mm-hmm. because of all the support that I do for Texas law enforcement, um, you know, and then knowing that he, you know, that he followed me. So uh, obviously a- as a minimum, there was nothing on my timeline that offended him. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Or,
2: or he probably did find some value. And then the fact that he would buy my book, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you, you just, you look at something like that and you go, wow, this is, this is, this is somebody who was a brother yeah. that I never really got to know. Type yeah. Thing,
0: you know? Yeah, for sure. So, That's really powerful. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, it was. It's. Uh, it, it really hits home, you know. How many different people out there, you know, and all over the all over the country and all over the world. Uh, I was looking on my Shopify store this morning because I always I always check my sales in the morning. Mm-hmm. Somebody in Brazil is buying one of my t-shirts. You That's know, awesome. you know, knowing that somebody you know in a country I've never even been to
1: yeah.
2: is going, hey, this this guy's worth following, and his merchandise looks cool, and, mm-hmm. and I want to be a part of that. It's uh, it's really it's really cool, and the and the book, of course, has been instrumental in that.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, everyone loves it too. Yeah. Just the the podcast that would two share. people.
2: <laughs> so, 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 for two people, know.
0: <laughs> where do they live? They're, they're. <laughs> One of them I got narrowed
1: down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's not good for them. <laughs> Look, have the lead pipe in the truck. let's like, go He does not um, need a lead
1: pipe for you know, oh, that. No, but we got to keep him, he's important. I have to yes, keep him that's, out of it. That's, just, you know, right, right?
2: I'm not important. I can, I can take we'll, the fall do, We'll yeah. do this like figure skating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Body Yeah, exactly. just, uh, exactly. take the shins out. That's a really good reference. That's a good reference. Yeah.
0: I I'm curious about, you know, so we're talking about, you know, you you have your brand, Graybeard Brands, you have mm-hmm. the book, your you have a presence and a following. What brought you here? Like, because I know mm-hmm. there are many servicemen and women who have stories to tell or have mm-hmm. a lot of gui- guidance to give, quite frankly. And I'm so thankful for men like you who do mm-hmm. put a message out there to sort of, keep a lot of people in track and teach us many things that we otherwise wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's a bit of hesitancy that might come with that or just what what was the spark that sort of yeah put you out here? The,
2: there is there's a little bit of hesitancy because there's everybody suffers on some level. From, if you don't suffer from imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. you're a narcissist. <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> and Very good point.
2: It's cut yeah. and dry. I mean, mm-hmm. it is what it is. So, you know, to some extent, you know, the, you know, I remember the, the first time I ever walked into a patient's room mm-hmm. as an intern. And said, "Good evening. I'm Doctor Simpson. I'm your doctor." And I was like, "Ooh, like that?" And just puke was yeah, right behind it. Yeah, just, it just—it just know. sounds. It, well, it it just feels like I'm lying. Like yeah. It doesn't even feel like it's a thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's always that you know, you know, when people say, you know, oh, you know, you're this and you're that and your resume that, and I'm like, yeah, but you know, I'm still, I'm still that same, that same kid from Tatcham High School who was too small to make first string in football you know I'm still that same guy so uh, you know being kind of elevated in this respect yeah there, there's a little bit of hesitancy there yeah and I think the the point at which I said I think I can get out in the public eye because I have something to say really started when I started the mind of the warrior podcast yeah yeah and and then because it was kind of innocuous because it was just like well I'm just I'm gonna interview fighters. Sure. You know, and I'm gonna talk about my picks, you know. Yeah. And, and at the time I was a I was a blue belt, so you know, I I was very open about the fact that, hey, I haven't done this, I've never been in the cage, yeah. I'm never gonna be in the cage. Mm-hmm. You know, except you've been a, on the
0: battlefield, yeah. That, right. Yeah. There's some other credibility, here
2: yeah, for sure. It, and it's and I didn't think anybody really it wasn't until later that I kind of found that aspect of my voice that mm-hmm. you know people want to hear about that too. Yeah, and a lot of that had to do with uh, my friendship with Tim Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And then never heard of him. Yeah, it's yeah, dude, he's, <laughs> he's, he's yeah he's uh, small time. He's, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's kind a, of a mediocre. we're local Austin people I right. think know yeah. about him. Yeah, he was drilling yeah. really into World War II outside of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, yeah, he's like destroyed. kind of a mediocre cage <laughs> fighter. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> never did much. Yeah, that, that's, t- that's Please Tim. Please t- don't hurt me. don't hurt us.
1: Tim, Tim Herbie, is the, the most
2: it. self-deprecating guy, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and has the kindest heart. And, you know, getting kind of uh, hitching my wagon to his mm-hmm. pickup truck for mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah. you know, with with hunting Hitler and, you know, when yeah. during the time period that I worked for Sheepdog was really helpful. Mm-hmm. And that's what was kind of shocking to me was with Sheepdog, you know, we would go around and teach and people would be like, okay, oh, I get a picture with you. And I'm like, really? And I remember one guy said, he said, hey you're a celebrity. And I said, you need to get out more.
0: We <laughs> <laughs> <Or you> almost <laughs> like, I'm not with black rifles. Right? Yeah. So yeah. About? I'm not
2: I, like, I, there's all these other guys right. that are yeah. in this sphere. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm Tim's only friend who wasn't in range 15, yeah. you know, it's like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, so it was kind of surreal. But then I, I started to realize, you know, Hey people, there, there's some things that I can bring to the table that people do want to hear about. Yeah. And, uh, that was kind of a big bump in growth for me. And yeah. I think that's about the time period that I started to get all the emails that eventually led to the outline for honed Yeah, was, Hey, I saw you on hunting Hitler. I saw you on Tim Kennedy's Instagram. Yeah. I didn't really, you know, you're wow. You're in your fifties and you're doing all this stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about, you know, I've got a question about back pain or sleep or nutrition mm-hmm. or what workout should I do? Can I do BJJ? Can you vet this gym for me? And, I started to weigh in on that, but still again, you know, it, there was a little bit of imposter syndrome to yeah. that, you know, that, uh, wow, am I really giving this guy good? So I felt like I was always vetting that advice off of somebody else, yeah, sure. you know, just to make sure. And I think I'm at the point now where I've kind of, I, I found my voice. And I know that as long as I caveat everything and I'm honest about it, Yeah. I did an IG live the other day that it was just about COVID. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I said, I'm not a virologist. I'm not an epidemiologist. Um, I have some opinions on this and Mm -hmm. I have some knowledge about this and I'm going to, I'm always going to couch it that way. Yeah. And Hey, if I find out later that I was wrong about something, I will fire up my phone again and I'll do another live and I'll say, Hey, I was wrong about that. It's that easy. Yeah. 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 And you know, and thankfully, you know, a lot of people were like, you know, know, I I had people specifically comment, I've been following you since before COVID Mm -hmm. and I have noticed your messaging hasn't changed you know, you're you. I can tell you don't have a dog in the fight. You're being right. very clear. You're being very analytical about mm-hmm. it, and it's appreciated. So, and that's that's my goal in whatever advice I give, yeah. whether it's nutrition advice, fitness advice, life advice, whatever. You know, I'm always going to be honest about it. Yeah, that uh, I don't know everything based on the information that I have. This is what I do, and this is what I would recommend to you that you do. And people seem to appreciate that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know,
2: as long again is. That's, that's kind of been the downfall. You know, we've seen it in, in, on a very large scale <laughs> during COVID.
0: Unfortunately. Is,
2: you know, Fauci's afraid to admit when he's been wrong. Yeah, yeah
0: and just flat out won't. Yeah, and he yeah.
2: won't. And, and for that reason, nobody's just ever going to trust him. And, mm-hmm. I, and I know I, I, I said, uh, I posted uh, in a forum of physicians not long ago. I said, you know, the, you know here's the problem. is it's You have these two, you have hyperbole coming from both sides in this issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, and it, there's a there's just a select few of us that are right here in the middle on what I call Sanity Island.
0: <laughs> right? It's a very small island. It's very a very small island.
2: island, right? It's like the island in those fuck in those in the side cartoons mm-hmm. where it's yeah, like a tree and room for and one, one dude, right? Yeah. yeah, that's how big Sanity Island is. And you know, I, it's constantly I'm having you know people on whichever side. I am always defending the other side. Yeah. Sure. You know, it's like ah, I'm you know. Pfizer, FDA, Fauci, ah, you know, I'm like, okay, all right, okay, those personalities aside, this is why I got vaccinated, this is why I think you should be vaccinated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other way, is, oh, the covid and blah, 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 <laughs> Joe Rogan, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. okay, calm down, he took monoclonal antibodies, which is approved, and that's why he got better, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna blame, and I, uh, and it was funny, because I actually, uh, I've had a lot of people, a lot of lay people True. say, okay, nobody's ever said it to me that way, I, I understand now physicians have a little bit bigger egos and most of them have been yeah. very reticent to, mm-hmm. to, to kind of come around to that. Mm-hmm. But I had one in that, in that forum that was banging the drum about, you know, taking ivermectin and vitamin infusions, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, if, if that's where we're drawing the line in the sand, then you need to condemn all of our colleagues who write for a ZPAC for a viral respiratory infection. Yep. All of the pediatricians who are given antibiotics for viral ear infections. Like if, if, if the line in the sand is evidence based medicine, yeah, and we don't shotgun treat anything, then that needs to be a hard line. Yeah, and she was like, "Wow, you're you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. Like that's that is hypocritical." Yeah, you know. Uh, and it is, and and that's that's what it's going to take. Is you know, I, I want more people on Sanity Island.
1: <laughs> like I, the I do. The price of admission <laughs> is
0: just a little bit of humi- humility. That's right? that's it. Yeah,
2: and just and being a little bit open minded and yeah. recognizing. And I started saying this way back before the last election. I said, okay, the election's coming up. Mm-hmm. If it goes one way, people are going to be screaming voter fraud, and if it goes the other way, people are going to be screaming voter suppression.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Here's the truth of it: half of this country is not getting the information that you're getting. Yeah. For whatever reason, and selectively, right? Because yeah. they're watching a different news station than you sure. are.
0: Their algorithm's different. Their yeah. algorithm
2: is different, right? Yeah. We know that they're from the social fed. dilemma, right? Yeah.
0: Exactly what they yeah. want.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So don't, don't, you're, you're assuming all these crazy things, when the fact of the matter is, because everybody was in the, in the position going to the election is, well, based on the information that I have, there's no possible way that yeah. any sane, intelligent person could vote the other way. hmm Right, based on the information that you have. Yeah. Half of this country has completely different information. Yeah. Okay? Half of this country never heard about Hunter's laptop.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> you know, so uh, don't don't freak out, you know, yeah. and then yeah. and then still they're like it's just I just so hard to believe that that many people. Yeah, it's so hard to believe again, with the information that you have.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? And I'm quite sure if everybody had exactly the same information, mm-hmm. we would have all voted exactly the same way, which by the way, that's kind of the media's goal in some yeah. of Yeah. So <laughs> <There's, laughs> right? We want you all of that, a
0: financial state right? Some yeah, of this yeah. Stuff we too.
2: want you all to have this information, not yeah. that information. We want you to have mm-hmm. this hey, information. To this, it's not like, who's that. us yeah.
0: to give you this. Exactly, yeah.
2: Yeah. exactly, and uh, it's divisive and it's tribal. Yeah, sure. And I, I've just uh, endlessly, everyone, you know, I, I find myself getting sucked into that vortex sure. from time to time. Yeah. And making those outrageous hyperbolic statements, right? And then I have to swim my way back over to Sanity Island yeah. again, <laughs> and say, "Okay, all right, okay, I got that out of my system." There, yeah. Now, you know,
0: whoops, yeah, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, just
2: my fault, right? My human, yeah, yeah, my bad. yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Well, I think that's like I admire the ability to do two things. One. Express yourself honestly, yeah, um, because I think that's something we lack in a lot of areas. And two, right. admit when you're wrong. And I think those two things, to your point, is why you are so attractive to so many people, and, and why you've continued Not just to be successful. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> I can only talk for myself. yes <laughs> more, uh, But just like I think that's why you've garnered garnered the following you have, and I, I hope to see it continue to grow. I'm a fan myself. Um, Thank you. Yeah, of course. Have I'm curious in in the social media realm where. A lot of people not on Sanity Mm -hmm. Island tend to (laughs) play around a little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. And
0: it's it's easier to be hyperbolic. Yeah, exactly. So easy. Yeah, Yeah, it's so easy. Have there been instances where people might assume that you swing super far, we'll call it right, not even Mm. conservative, on almost everything because of your background, because of your work, and you almost have to, like, explain just because of this Mm-hmm. doesn't mean this.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, kind of mm-hmm. what they saw for what their first impression yeah, of me sure. was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people that their first impression of me was uh, what I post about uh, Second Amendment and mm-hmm. law enforcement and my my thoughts on on BLM and Antifa being no yeah. secret. Right? right. They see that and then they see a post where I'm talking about COVID and they're like, oh, big pharma got to you you know, or something, <laughs> right. You know, something weird like that. Yeah. Whereas I've also had, uh, people that maybe started following me. So, uh, there's one person in particular, and I, I'm not going to mention who, who they are, uh, just because they're not here to kind of defend their own views. For sure, but, sure. Um, it's somebody who's pretty active in the combative space Yeah. and, uh, more right leaning than I am,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, has totally different view of COVID than I do. And it just so happened it was kind of right at the beginning of COVID mm-hmm. when we linked up on social media through through a mutual acquaintance.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, he was he was posting a lot of basically erroneous stuff when it came to COVID. And I was commenting on it. And uh, he was commenting on my stuff. And I said, hey, man, look, you know, I, I have no dog in this fight. I'm coming at, you know, you do realize I'm a very far right-leaning. He said, I think you're somewhat to the right on some issues. hmm you know, but his impression of me was that I was very much an in-the-middle kind of moderate. Yeah. And then that was through the lens of how I viewed COVID that made him, you know, even more so. Yeah. Think, think that, you know. So typically, if that's somebody's – if somebody's first interaction with me mm-hmm. is about COVID, sure. then I'm accused of being a lefty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. You know, when the, when the fact of it is – but this was funny, and I said this in my Instagram Live the other day. Even though I wrote, a, you know, uh, two, three years ago, I wrote a blog article – Called our anti-vaxxers terrorists.
1: Mm-hmm. Actually, it was
2: our anti-vaxxers domestic terrorists. I bet
0: the SEO on that was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah it was your rankings awesome. were
2: pulling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, were through The, roof yeah. with the marker is <laughs> like,
0: ooh, I'm stealing that. <laughs>
2: but, but the irony is, is now by the new definition of anti-vaxxer, mm. yeah. because I'm against mandates, yeah. I'm labeled an anti-vaxxer. Mm, huh. Yeah, because yeah. I want people to get, you know, I, I do want, I want us to reach 80, 85% yeah. right,
1: vaccinated
2: immunity. among, yeah, herd immunity among adults in the mm-hmm. United States. Mm-hmm. I still am not sold on kids under 12.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I don't want mandates.
1: Yeah.
2: Now, and even that, I've got an exception to because if you're in healthcare, mm-hmm. all right, I, we've always had to get hepatitis. We've always had to get all these other vaccines, sure. mm-hmm. right? So, um, It only makes sense that there's going to be some type of mandate for healthcare workers. Yeah, sure. Because it's
0: a globally spread virus.
2: Now, if you can say, now, if you document a one-time antibody test and you prove, hey, I had COVID, Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think you should get pulled out of that.
1: I don't think you should have
2: to get it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a little bit torn on the military aspect of it because military readiness is paramount right and uh, we've been subjected to some pretty wacky vaccines in the past you know yeah. i got i got a full rabies series i got a yellow fever series mm-hmm. i used to get we used to get we used to get the shot called gamma globulin before we had a treatment for hepatitis so oh, yeah. yeah it was a temporary thing It only stayed in your system for about 6 6 months mm-hmm. and you'd get it right before you deployed to like an endemic area okay and imagine if i injected um, to a silly putty egg mhm of silly putty into each one of your butt cheeks. Ugh. That's what it felt like. You couldn't sit down. Machine. Just completely yeah, yeah, you used. couldn't. Yeah. yeah, it literally felt like yeah. a glob yeah. going right. in there, Just and you. Would, like, you f- yeah, you felt it for like a week. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like it was called. It felt gamma.
1: like
0: week one at Sigma Gamma. Right. Yeah. Yes. Oh man, it was all. Aw- it was awful. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, but again, you know, because of military readiness, I mean, yeah. I can understand right. that. You you're know,
0: and so sacrifices. Yeah,
2: and yeah. the complaint there is. You know, oh, we can't use the military as a, you know, basically as a, as a test group. Guess what? We've always, always always we've always done that. And I, I guess I just looked at it different.
1: It's,
2: it's funny because, uh, when I was in the 18 Delta course, when I was in the SF Meta course, Mm -hmm. um, I failed, I failed an exam. I failed a hands-on exam and I had to get retested. It's the only
0: time you failed at anything in your life, No, no, no. There've been plenty of times.
2: Uh, but I had to f- sign a counseling form on, you know, hey, you failed, and you're going to get remediation, and then we're going to retest you. And there's a privacy statement on the counseling form, right, that I had to initial. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, uh, oh, you didn't initial the privacy statement. And I said, what is this privacy statement? He says, oh, basically that says that we can't show this information to in anyone else. And I laughed. He goes, what are you laughing at? And I said, "And at that point, I'd been, uh, I'd been in the military like seven, eight years, I said, I kind of figured the moment that I raised my right hand, mm-hmm. I gave up my right to privacy. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought right. that was just an unspoken thing. You thought that was just gone Yeah, that's just that a point. thing. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm I'm chattel. I mean, yeah. I'm I am I'm a commodity. Right. It is what it is. And he's like, "Wow." Like He's like, "And you're okay with that?" I said, "No, I didn't say I was okay with it." I just kind of It's, thought that's it's what the way it was. Part of the deal yeah.
0: was here.
2: Yeah, but I understand. I mean, the, the newer generation of the military that, you know, they uh, they they I'm not gonna say they want to have their cake and eat it too, but mm-hmm. they were raised in a different time, so yeah. they don't they don't look at it that way. Yeah. You know, they they probably see it more. I I saw it as a I am I am committing myself to the military, mm-hmm.
1: uh,
2: and you know it's everything up to including hey you're gonna charge that machine gun nest
1: yeah. is yeah.
2: within the scope right, mm-hmm. and uh, I think this generation maybe doesn't look at it that way, and that's. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, they were sure. raised different. It's a different yeah. time. So I
0: mean, we have a uh, we have a younger cousin in the army, um, mm-hmm. and you know, Knockwood. I I don't believe he's in a unit that will ever see any type of combat, so I don't worry about him in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to your point, you know, there's that thought of going into the military, and and the the way they see it is shifting. Do you think that is a good thing, bad thing? Do you think how do you think that affects, like you said, preparedness going forward?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean culturally the military always should be a reflection of the society. I mean mm-hmm. that's that's the argument that those who say, uh, that say we need a draft because we're we're turning into a society where we have a military caste,
1: mm-hmm. right? That's
2: mm-hmm. very much different. And I see that in in kind of two ways. On one hand, I don't see that as a bad thing because I I do think I want in the military the people that want to do it sure. and that are willing to do it, willing to make that sacrifice. And uh if it's if it separates them to from some degree from society so be it but i also see the argument of then if if the society is not reflected in the military
1: mm-hmm. then
2: the military becomes this faceless thing that nobody feels bad about sending off to do
1: yeah, sure. terrible
2: shit right mm-hmm. so so i i see that in both ways and i don't I don't have a really good answer to it. I just yeah, I don't. There's you know? nuance. Yeah, there's, there's a ton no of really, nuance. Yeah, perfect answer for yeah, sure. There's a ton of nuance in it. And it's you know, uh, it's it's funny because even you know people people on the far left
1: mm-hmm.
2: tend to view the military through a different lens than people on the far right. Mm-hmm. But there's this weird way and I've seen this in a couple of different interviews, most notably I saw an interview with Oliver Stone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Oliver Stone said, uh, "Yeah, we should. You know, we need to. We need to reduce the size of the military. We need to. We need to change the – You know, all these things. That basically, these reforms to make the military a little bit more malleable, a little bit more. Like, you know, we shouldn't. It, basically, what he was saying is, if a war comes up that you don't agree with, like you shouldn't. You should be able to opt out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that about everything. And then he said, you know, except for special forces, like those guys." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's fine. And because special forces, there's this thought, and I've seen this perception among people on the far, far left, that, well, the special forces of the guys are those guys that just are wired wrong anyway. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of like pit bulls. Mm -hmm. So that's okay, because they volunteered for that. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if four of them die in an ambush in Niger. Yeah. Yeah, we're kind of okay with
0: to that. So then they're yeah. not human. Because, right. right. Yeah.
2: If if four New Hampshire National Guard troops
1: mm-hmm.
2: die over there,
1: mm-hmm.
2: okay, now we get now we got a problem. Yeah, because sure. because they also tend to view the military as, well People in the military are in the military because they didn't have an opportunity to do anything else. Right. Right. So that if you're if you're poor, if you're a minority, yeah. that's where you're going to go to pay for college or whatever. Yeah. So it's not really fair to you that then we ship you off to war. But those yeah. special forces guys, hey, they're they're kind of defective anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of okay if we do it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just I've never really and you see it portrayed. It's you know the Hollywood trope. Sure. Right? Yeah. Hollywood um,
0: dude. John Cena just yeah. yeah. Jump out of, Right. Blown up buildings. Yeah. yeah, did you
2: guys uh, Did you guys ever see the movie uh, No Way Out with Kevin Costner? I don't think we did. I don't think, think
0: I did.
1: did. It's a uh,
2: really good Cold War era. Okay, I highly okay. recommend it. It's a really good Cold War era. Okay. Uh, so uh, since you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it for you. Uh, we're uh, okay with spoilers. Yeah. So uh, Costner's a naval officer uh-huh. in it, and he gets reassigned to the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. And right after he gets reassigned to the Pentagon, they're looking for this mole named Yuri. Okay. And uh, it's Yuri is like this this legend, it's it's like like Sasquatch or the Jersey Devil that okay. this is a guy who was sent over to the US in his teens and has somehow infiltrated either the military or intelligentsia. Okay. And he's in a high ranking position somewhere, but he's a plant he's a mole. Okay. Right? So they're trying to find this character Yuri and, and basically the Secretary of Defense is like pulling out all the stops to do so. Mm-hmm. And at one point in the in the movie, Costner's character again, who's a naval officer, he gets introduced to two guys, and and they're identified as special forces guys, right? Mm-hmm. And they said, and, and he gets told, yeah, and they were recently uh, in Central America, and he's like, oh, oh, so they were with the death squads in El Salvador, and these guys are very much portrayed as these like kind of military automatons. I was say yeah. They're, they're
0: yes. often portrayed like robots. Yeah, Sto- yeah, stoic, robotic. Yeah. They're basically,
2: you know, hitman. you know, same, same deal in, uh, you look at, um, more, a more recent film, which I'm sure you've seen. If you look at Sicario. Yeah. So the scene where, uh, she and her partner are like getting all pissed off when they're in the tunnel system yeah. Mm -hmm. and the operators are like, Oh, we'll just, we'll kill you right now. We don't even care. You know, that's kind of the way we've been portrayed in in Hollywood. And, uh, it's, I, I think, and it's, and it comes, it stems from a. People in Hollywood, they just can't fathom why somebody would voluntarily, unless they're yeah. you're wired wrong. Right. You know, a person who loves puppies and children yeah. would not volunteer to do things like yeah.
0: that. Yeah. And narratively, know? it's so much scarier if you guys are completely unempathetic.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. no. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Is it's it's it's, it's way easier to believe in some supernatural boogeyman mm-hmm. yeah. exists than uh, a person. Who lives next door to me on the cul-de-sac mm-hmm. and waters waters his lawn and picks up his dog poop sure. and waves to yeah. me? That he and as,
0: a, and as a girl dad too, right? Yeah, like, yeah,
2: right, yeah. And and can, he can be on a sniper scope and watch people's mm-hmm. heads turn into mist and be okay with it. Right. Yeah. But that's the truth of it. Yeah. I mean, that it really is. You and
0: know? It, how do you, in the special forces community do y'all? laugh
2: at that yeah totally sort of
0: hate it a little bit just what with all the misconceptions is there ever moments of like i'm kind of tired of this or is it just like it is what it is
2: i think i'm the only one i've ever heard say that is tired of it i mean Mm -hmm. for for the most part we just joke
1: about it yeah
2: uh and and we make jokes about how you know you go to the family reunion and you just totally play off of that yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. like if if i just want to go sit in the corner
0: and stare. Yeah, yeah. And, and
2: stare <laughs> off. You know, nobody and nobody's gonna mess with me, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just gonna play it. Yeah, know? and I've played off of it too. Yeah, you know that's because it's uh, fun. Right? I yeah. mean, there's a piece
0: yeah. of it that's like, well, if this is like the way, way it is. Yeah,
2: well, that's it, it's uh, it's funny because uh, when I was still practicing clinically, I would go to the ER and I always carried a Gerber Ghost Strike uh-huh. either in the small of my back or in my ankle, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, you know, that's security takes five minutes to get here you know obviously i'm going to try to do everything i can possibly barehanded but yeah. if this is somebody if they're swinging a chair or sure. they've got me pinned to the you know that's
1: you know yeah.
2: game on it's going up yeah and they said well how are you gonna how are you gonna defend that like you know there's probably a hospital policy that says you can't carry weapons you know. how are you gonna defend that and i said i'm gonna play the ptsd card
0: it's <laughs> Just 100, <100%, laughs>
2: just straight up. Yeah, I'm just like, like yeah. I'm not even. Yeah, I'm not even gonna ban an eye. I'm and then sell the rights of I'm the gonna, story to yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna play the PTSD. Uh, yeah, card that I didn't. All right. of a sudden, I was back there. Yeah, right. It's fine. Whatever. I didn't, I didn't see yeah.
0: red. I saw commies. Yeah. that's all that yeah. happened. That's it's all that just, happened. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. So what?
0: What is maybe? And I'm sure again, there's multiple. But like, what is the maybe wildest misconception that? laymen have laymen have about the special forces community just who y'all are as people like why you choose yeah. to go into that level of the military
2: um i think the the wildest misconception or that or the biggest inaccuracy that people have uh from the outside looking in is that we're all experts in hand-to-hand combat yeah mm-hmm. and the thing is is uh Modern army combatives and, and and you know MACP and SOCP the two things that have really taken us forward in the last mm-hmm. twenty or so years when it comes to unarmed combatives in the military those weren't even a thing in the eighties and nineties mm-hmm. and I can tell you that you know probably probably half of the guys that I served with um, if you took their weapons away they wouldn't they wouldn't have done real well yeah you know mm-hmm. it's and the thing is we just we didn't have time. It's yeah. You you had to be skilled in so many other things. <laughs> yeah. To then say, okay, and on top of everything else, I'm going to dedicate right. six hours a week in the, in the training room yeah. to go roll and put the gloves on mm-hmm. and everything.
0: Because it's not the Matrix; you can't just download it. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Have to yeah. Learn
2: exactly. It. You have to do yeah. the time, and it's and it's one of those. It's one of those things. It's the importance of it too. I don't think was fully understood. So mm-hmm. it was like, well, we have all these other things that we do, and the uh, what you know, how does it always get. It, and this is in anything. It always gets phrased as, well, we're so unlikely that that's even going to happen. Sure. Right? And it's like, yeah, but then if it does happen, mm-hmm. I'm I'm probably going to die.
1: Sure. Right?
2: So so it is pretty important. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, you know, one of the great things that came out of GWAT, a lot of things did in advancements, but uh, one of them is that we're more active in that, in, mm-hmm. in, in doing unarmed stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I tell people all the time, even at age 55 now, so I left a... I left a, a Special Forces A-team. I was uh, 36 years old.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm
2: 55 years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could get in a time machine right now and show up at the doorstep of the 36-year-old me, I could kick my own ass. That's
1: awesome. All right? I would, I would
2: wipe the floor. <laughs> and it's yeah, purely with the 36.
0: jiu-jitsu
2: knowledge. It's purely jiu-jitsu knowledge and also that I, that uh, I could do a lot of push-ups and sit-ups and I could run back then. hmm and I knew how to work out my show muscles. Sure, yeah. I didn't know how, I didn't really A lot know, of what
0: you're seeing right now. Right, yeah.
2: But I didn't know how to work out really what was important. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, just the, yeah, I'm 100% confident yeah. that, you know, even though that 36-year-old me could outrun me. Right. Uh, do more push-ups than me, bench more than me. Sure. Um, I could have mopped the floor.
0: Well, what would be your finishing move on your 36-year-old self?
2: Uh, on, on 36 year old self, probably, probably rear naked choke. I I know I could easily, just just let it, yeah, I I would, I would, I would get, get his back. (laughs) Like nobody's business. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, I didn't know, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know getting somebody's back was a thing. (laughs) Right. Right. I I had no idea.
1: Yeah.
0: So what, Oh, you guys. Oh no, no. Oh yeah. Um, I was, I was actually going to something you said earlier about being the smallest guy and not being able to go out for football. Yeah. What about either you're raising uh, the thing in you that makes you you pushed you to be the person who becomes the special operative?
2: Yeah, and it's well, I was able to go out. I just wasn't. I just wasn't any good at it. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I, I played. Uh, I played five years of football. So I played okay. my last year of junior high. I played all four years of high school. Yeah. Nice. Um, and the thing was, everybody else kept growing and I didn't. You're, right. you're just yeah. like our dad. Yeah. So,
0: so we've heard the stories of this Yeah. Campaign. Yes. So
2: like, so like, soft sophomore year, I was like, I I, w- I would rotate in mm-hmm. uh, on on both defensive and as a, as a linebacker and on offensive line. So I wasn't a starter, but I I would play every single game. Yeah. Sophomore year, by the time I was a junior, that went, and by the time I was a senior, uh, it just wasn't. You know, I was. Second string, this is my life. It is what it is. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with uh, maybe seeing that and and wanting to find a way that I could kind of climb over the top of that Mm -hmm. and be a part of something bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't regret. Like I never – I wanted to be better at football, but I think even if I had been better at football, Mm -hmm. there never would have been the dream to like go play college ball or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't want that. But I did want something that I could accomplish, something that was physically and mentally challenging.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and being involved in team sports, I, I really appreciated being a part of that tribe, being yeah. a part of something yeah. larger than yourself. Um, and I saw the military as kind of a way to do that. Yeah. So.
0: And I mean, were, were you born in a military family or were you attracted to military stories no. growing up or was it just senior year came around?
2: Yeah. Uh no it yeah it started uh, around junior high time frame okay. is when I started to like have an interest in that okay and there was actually a, 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 a police officer in my hometown mm-hmm. who was a former special forces guy okay he ended up kind of for that time period actually kind of being uh, you guys what year were you guys born uh
0: 1994 91 yeah so only this, a few years before yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: so this was uh, this took place. 1980 uh, 485 time time okay. period, um, a t- uh, a group of, re- of former Green Berets mm-hmm. from the Vietnam era went back over to Vietnam looking for for POWs because at the time in the in the 80s this is something that P- those of us raised in the 80s remember is there was a lot of MIA's that were unaccounted for yeah and there were a lot of rumors that there were still camps over there. Oh, that shoot. these guys had never come home. That mm-hmm. they weren't dead in the jungle somewhere. That they were there,
1: yeah, in yeah.
2: a camp. And there was and movies were made about it. You know, yeah. like the Gene Hackman film. And, yeah,
1: yes, sir. Um,
2: and all the Chuck Norris movies, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, these guys went over there, and and one of them was Chuck Patterson, who was a, a cop in my hometown. Okay, yeah,
1: okay. And
2: uh, you know, hearing his stories about Vietnam, and he had all, and I knew both of his kids. I was mm-hmm. friends with his kids. Yeah. So you know, he had all of his SF memorabilia in the house mm-hmm. and everything, mm-hmm. and it's like. And he would tell the stories about what it was like, you know, being being on a on a three man patrol in Vietnam mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, and uh, you know, walking into a thicket and a tiger jumps out, you yeah. know, stuff like that, and uh, coming around coming around a tree, uh, and your the barrel of your m16 hits the barrel of a Viet Cong ak at the same oh exact gosh. moment and they both go off and they both jam and now you're in hand-to-hand combat yeah. you oh know and this guy had the scars to prove it yeah you know, he, had, he had gotten his upper lip blown off oh really. my gosh. um just yeah just just horrendous yeah and uh it's just like wow you know there you know something like this is out
1: there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and then uh, as things progressed through the 80s and uh there were hot spots all over the world, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the Soviet Union was on the other side of the chessboard from yeah. us, and you knew that there were going to be all these small, low-intensity conflicts all mm-hmm. over Central and South America, and yeah. probably Asia, and parts of, of Eastern Europe, and uh, the idea of being being a part of that mm-hmm. uh, was really appealing to me.
0: Yeah, so. and so when you went in, did you know, were you were you like, let's... Four years, see how this goes. Yeah, that's get my GI bill, to go to college, or did you know I'm signing up for 32 years and an MD by the time this is all set <laughs> no, My
2: my thought process was originally I wanted to go SF, yeah, and I couldn't uh, right yeah. off the street, so I had to go to Rangers, mm-hmm. which was uh, by far the better fit for me.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, right out of high school, but my plan from the beginning was, and I and I I remember senior year of of high school talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, talking about this to, to my girlfriend because we had the, the we had the crazy idea that we were the only two high school sweethearts sure that we're going to actually get married and last right? Yeah, right? yeah
1: yeah yeah because it we, was gonna
2: work yeah yeah, out. yeah it was right. gonna work out for us yeah. never works out for anybody else
0: but yeah well, listen you're different we, we were it's gonna okay. beat the percentage yeah. right yeah.
2: and i remember she and i having uh talking about like where we'd like to go live and, <laughs> and uh, it's like i'll do my four years in the army and then i'll come back and i'll be a police officer and yeah. i'll be on a SWAT team and you know, and so, these
0: muscles, yeah. are going to be bigger. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to be ripped. It's going to be <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm Finally,
2: going to hit that gross spurt, right? Yeah, <laughs> that, I, that I haven't gotten. Eighteen still haven't got it, but it's going to be it's there. It's, be here. it's right? coming. <laughs> yeah,
0: <60's laughs> looking good. I'm
2: like, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to do yeah. all that stuff, right? And then uh, I went in, and I, I wasn't planning on using the GI Bill. Mm-hmm. The agreement that I had, my my. My parents made me promise to contribute to the GI Bill, which yeah. I did. I put in the absolute minimum a month. Mm-hmm. It was like $25 a month nice, just to keep it active, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got out, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I did my four years. Now I'm going to pursue the law enforcement career. And uh, I was just going to stay in Savannah because it was going to be easier at the time. There was a lot of former 1st uh, Ranger Battalion guys on Savannah PD. Yeah. I'm like, perfect. This is going to work perfect for me. Right after I got out, and I went and I took the test. And Savannah PD announced a hiring freeze.
0: Great. Yeah.
2: So I'm like, all right. So I ended up moving down the road to Statesboro. I worked as a corrections officer to pay the bills. Okay. And I was going to go to college. And I said, well, I'll, I'll get a degree and then I'll go into federal law enforcement. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to do either Secret Service or DEA. I hadn't really decided <laughs> yeah. yet. So I was on track to do that. And I, I was in the National Guard at the time. I was in an yeah. SF Guard unit.
0: Is High School Sweetheart still around? Oh, no, no, no.
2: I got Dear John to basic training. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's that's fast. fast. That's how, yeah, that's... I I think it was was maybe a month into basic training. Oh, my god! I got Dear John. You got Dear John hard. I got Dear John hard and quick. Yeah, yeah. It did not last. Yeah. Wow. So, uh... Yeah, that that was not even that was yeah. it, it wasn't even an, an afterthought at that point. <laughs> But We said forever. We said forever. Oh yeah. man. You said till you died, but you're still alive. It's <laughs> oh, <that's>, a <that's laughs> Yeah. So, uh, I was I was on track to do that and then when Desert Storm, Desert Shield kicked off, yeah. my National Guard unit got mobilized and they just they we didn't go overseas. We just went to Fort Bragg. That's when I got in the pipeline I went to selection, I went to the Q course. And I'm like, "You know what?" I'd rather do this. Yeah. You know, this is better. And I've and reconnected with guys that I knew that were in seventh group. Uh, Brian Edwards, who uh, he and I were uh, best friends in high school. He was a year older than me. We ended up being in ranger school together, too. Oh, which wow. kind of weird. And then uh, I'm back at Bragg, and uh, Brian's in seventh group, and he's telling me all these great stories about all the operations that they're doing and all the counter narcotic stuff that they're yeah. doing. And I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds like, that sounds like, Kind of, it's almost like low-key Vietnam, yeah. right? So um, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I went back on active duty and did the counter-narcotics thing for 11 years. And it wasn't – being a doctor was never even something I thought of. I mean, I went to the medic course because I wanted a, kind of a cerebral challenge and I wanted to get away from Fort Bragg for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, once I started doing it, I'm like – you know, because it's – to me, it was like uh, – I'm one of those guys – I would go home every night and watch Jeopardy. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I loved watching, I loved knowing things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first when I got into the medic course, it was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to know more things. Yeah. Right. And so, but then once I started to do it and I'm like, wow, this is really, there's a calling here. Yeah. You know, taking care of sick people, mm-hmm. taking care of hurt soldiers. This is, this is a thing. Yeah. And it, it really appealed to me. So I knew at that point that my future lie in medicine, that okay. I, you know, I was going to, uh, I was a senior E6 at that point. I eighty E7. So I made a sergeant first class while I was still uh, training as a medic, but I knew that you know making master sergeant or going the other way, becoming a warrant officer, that that's not what was in my future. Yeah. That, you know, that doing something in medicine, which I thought was going to be being a PA. Mhm. And uh, they changed the, they changed the way they selected PA candidates about the time that I decided that I might want to do it.
1: Okay.
2: So um, a friend of mine said, "Hey, man, I've looked into it and I've mapped it out, and we can get into we can go to med school." And here, here's the way that we're going to do it. Like, mm-hmm. we've already talked to Campbell University.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They're going to set up all these night courses at the SOMPC, which is the Special Operations Medical Training Center yeah. where the 18 Deltas train. And so all you have to do is come over here a few nights a week. We'll get our undergrads knocked out. We'll take our MCATs. And we'll do all that stuff. And five of us started doing it together. That was wow. our plan. And little by little, people fell it off. Kind of fell sure. off a little and bit. And by the, by the time we got to... Uh, Physics two and studying for the MCAT. There was two of us, okay. and then the other guy uh, was like, uh, "I got some stuff to come up, so I'm out." He bailed out, mm-hmm. so I was the only one that made it as far as physically going in and taking the MCAT. <sighs> um, and then uh, did the MCAT. Had to, had to figure out the whole application process yeah. for medical school, and, and you know, I, it was funny because I found out later I did I applied to all the schools, and I applied to USIS, which is where I wanted to where I went yeah. and where I mm-hmm. wanted to go because uh, you get second lieutenant pay, right? Yeah. And all the benefits. Um, and it was after I did all my applications, I said, well, I better reach out to an HPSP recruiter, help, because <laughs> if I do get accepted, I need them to help negotiate how I get the HPSP scholarship yeah. and how I get the to get off of duty. And he goes, dude, if you would have called me, we do your applications for you. <laughs> and I'm
1: like, Oh And you fill
0: like six med school applications? Yeah. And he goes, he goes,
2: he goes, why? and he asked me, he goes, why don't you want to go to USIS? I said, I do want to go to USIS. <laughs> and he goes, oh, I would have done that application too. Like he goes, he goes, oh, man. we'll do that application. He goes, I can even sometimes find a way to get you like TDY orders to go up there. Oh my
1: god! And all this. And
2: I'm like, Oh, now I find out. And he right. goes, he goes, all right, man. So he goes, I got all your information, we'll stay in touch. He goes, the moment you start getting letters of acceptance, let me know. Okay. And I ended up, I got accepted at USIS, so I didn't need it. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so I just, I, I called him back. That was the first year. <laughs> so I applied to medical school. The, uh, there's, and I don't remember the name of it, but there is a, there is a joint application process. Yeah. That like 80% of the schools in the country go off of mm-hmm. that you can do. Texas has their own.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, As Yeah. <laughs> Our own everything because it, yeah, it's yeah. Texas. because yeah. it's Texas. We got to make right. it hard. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So yeah, Texas has their own match. Uh huh. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it's totally separate. Yep. <laughs> totally different time table. Different thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Day. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Different. I think every school in Texas. We measure things by day-day. hours, like
0: distance. Right. We measure by hours. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Whole thing. Yeah. So I was doing the application. It was the first year that they did it online. They'd never done it online before. Oh wow. <laughs> And it kept crashing.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, I bet that went over really well. Yeah, so I mean because this was
2: this was two thousand one. <laughs> oh wow. Right? yeah. So the state of the internet two thousand one.
1: Uh-huh. So <laughs>
2: right. There was no high speed Ethernet raya. cable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was all dial-up. Mm-hmm. And then you would go and there's a ton of essay boxes on this mm-hmm. application that you have to fill out and it would freeze like all the time. So <sighs> finally what I ended up doing is setting an alarm for three o'clock in the morning. And, and I, I did have the presence of mind that I wrote a bunch of Word documents. Mm-hmm. Okay. I scanned the questions, wrote my answers.
0: Copy, paste. what upload and then, them, basically. Uh, and then
2: logged on at 3 o'clock in the morning, copy, paste, copy, paste, uh-huh. save. Yes, exactly. Prayer hands, prayer Pray hands, praise. prayer hands. Yeah. Uh, hourglass, 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 hourglass. Paperclip would pop yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stupid paperclip. And then finally, like, it, and it went through. So, yeah, uh, man. yeah, so, but it was like, in, fa- in fact, it was so crazy that first year. So I want to say, uh, who was it? Was it Baylor? Baylor was, ne- Baylor's never been in the Texas match.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Because they're a private
0: school. They're a private school, mm-hmm. and they work with the Air Force quite a bit, too. Yeah, right?
2: so yeah. I think Baylor, that year, agreed to be part of the U.S., the the big one
1: yeah okay and that was
2: the first the first year they said okay I will be part of that was mm-hmm. the first year it was online the first year they had those problems and they said and this is the last year the last
0: year first yeah. and last, now, last I don't time.
2: know if they're back on board sure. or not I mean that was a long time <laughs> ago like, yeah. that was fun
0: that was fun guys yeah notice the significance there 2001 yeah
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so yeah what happened yeah so I was in the middle of the med school application process. Mm-hmm. Um, Two days, I think, before 9/11, two or three days before nine eleven, I was on a satellite phone, okay, calling about my applications, mm-hmm. right? You know, making sure. I think I had interviewed. I'd done one interview already, okay, and uh, had other interviews lined up. USIS hadn't interviewed me yet, and mm-hmm. it was because it was uh, there was a mix up. So they had gotten a letter of reference before they got my application okay, and it went to the back of the drawer so then when my application came in they're like we're still missing this one letter of reference yeah which they'd actually already had for like mm-hmm. three months mm-hmm. and so i called and i said yeah i haven't you know you haven't heard from you guys and whatever and they're like and i said no, no no it's been sent like i i know for a fact it's been sent and then right there on the phone they're like they found it and they're like yeah. okay <laughs> um two days later and this i was in uh, La larondia columbia okay so um we were doing a. Uh, We were doing a, uh, what do you call it, a sustainment training Mm -hmm. for one of the companies in the Colombian Counter-Narcotics Battalion, which I had been at the initial training for. We had trained them up from out of whole cloth
1: Mm -hmm.
2: back uh, in 99, Okay, right? So I had been involved in that, and then now they've been operational for a few years, but they were due for some sustainment training. So we went to La and they were actively, they were out actively doing operations. They'd been heavily involved in counter-narcotics operations mm-hmm. for, for a couple of years at that point. And uh, we're doing this training, and we were co-located. And LaRondi is in it. It's 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 a hot area. Yeah. It's, it's always been a hot area. Mm-hmm. There's two different three-letter agencies have permanent, at the time, probably don't anymore, had permanent, Establishment, Basins, Yeah, right. on on that compound, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for for the purpose of gathering intelligence and everything yeah. else. Um, the morning of 9-11, we were having a meeting. Our company headquarters was there, and there was another team there. And we had this big open-air place that we would go eat breakfast every morning. And they said, okay, you know, everybody, get up, do your PT, eat breakfast. We're going to meet back there at whatever time, mm-hmm. and we're going to have a leadership meeting. And I was a team sergeant at the time. Okay. So we go over there for the leadership meeting. And I'm drinking my coffee, and uh, I really disliked my company commander. So I'm trying, <laughs> trying to, to maintain sort of like, my composure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and uh, I see there's this guy from one of the three-letter agencies, who uh, looked exactly like you know the you know the meme of the guy who's obviously in a basement in front of a computer keyboard. Mm-hmm. Mom, I'm. Yeah, yeah. I'm punking people on the internet. Yeah. Bring me another juice box. Yeah, he was that the guy looked game. exactly like that guy? Yeah, looked exactly like that guy. Really smart, but mm-hmm. but totally total, yeah. I mean, but being a keyboard commando was his job. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, that, he that, was he using his
0: powers for good. For good, but yeah, they were exactly. Still nerdy. They're very specific powers. Yes.
2: So this guy, he would he would be in his little building mm-hmm. all day long. We never saw him come out of his building. <laughs> He spoke no Spanish. Hmm. He never took any meals, or anything. We were inviting him over all the time. He said, yeah. nah, I'm good. You guys." You. He's was like, he "You guys can come paper over here."
0: Thin too, just like little. No, no this guy was a uh, uh, he was hefty. a husky. He was the husky. That goes two husky ways. Meme. It's either yeah. husky guy or yeah. He Higgler was the husky meme.
2: Okay, right? got it. So we're sitting there, and I see him outside of his little building. Yeah, and and this building had a little compound around it too. Mm-hmm.
0: Who let George out?
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, and he's yeah. and he's like freaked out. Like he's like he's like going. Like like looking back and forth like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, is it, are bee's chasing him? Like what's mm-hmm. going? And I'm totally yeah. distracted by this, yeah. and he he runs very unathletically <laughs> runs. <laughs> he
0: saunters. Yeah, he did well. What, he the, got there. Yeah, he got
2: to <laughs> the uh, the engineer on my team was over there caught his I, breath. And I see him. Yeah, he was and he was winded right. and he's talking to him. He's flailing <gasps> his arms, making all these arm movements, and then he goes uh, his version of a run back into his little <laughs> compound. And my engineer's a kid named Dennis. Dennis comes over to me and we're all sitting at this big table and the company commander's droning on about... To give you an idea of this company commander... You guys ever see Band of Brothers? Yes. We called this guy Sobel. No. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I accidentally called him out to his face. So I was right? going to say yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oop, oopsie. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So Dennis comes over and he whispers in my ear, and this is not what he said, but this is what I heard, a two-passenger plane just hit the World Trade Center. And I'm like, Oh, that's a really small plane. <laughs> so I'm picturing like this little Piper Cub. Sure. Like, stuck.
0: like a crop duster, yeah. basically. Right.
2: I, yeah, I'm picturing that if, if you guys remember when the uh, the plane crashed in the IRS building here. Yes, that was wild. That's that was exactly so what I'm yeah. that's exactly yeah. what I'm picturing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay, that's weird.
1: Cool. So he he takes off. Yeah.
2: And Sobel says, yeah, uh, Sergeant Simpson, what was that all about? And I go, something about a two-passenger plane hit the World Trade Center. And everybody's like, Well, that's weird. How can you? <laughs> Like, how could you, how could you miss that? And yeah. we're like, well, <laughs> stupid tourists. Like, yeah. ah. Dumb like, yeah, tourist like, plane. Nobody yeah. had any inkling yeah. at all. So uh, we finished our meeting. And so I go over to go into the, and the, to get into this building where the three letter guys were, you had to walk into this. You open one gate and you had to have that gate completely closed. And then you pressed a button and they had, a, and then you had to take like three steps back and they had a camera.
1: Mm-hmm. And you'd
2: look at the camera and they would let you in. Yeah and so i go over there and i hit the button and i hit the button and they immediately eh, they just opened it mm-hmm. like i can tell somebody's in there like they're not even looking they're just, just
0: like whatever hitting the button. Yeah.
2: yeah so i walk in and then i walk into their building and i'm walking I, as you walk to the back of they're all the way in the back of the building and they're all facing me because the tv is facing them, them. and they're like all just totally transfixed and i'm like there's, like, three people standing there. I'm like, what the hell's going on? You're like, this plane I,
0: must look really funny when yeah. it's lodged in there. So
2: I, like, round the corner, and the, and at that point, both of the towers were in flames. Oh and I was like, gosh. whoa. And I think I'd, I was in there maybe five minutes before the first tower fell. And I remember watching that live and not thinking it f- – what I thought happened, because you didn't see it fall. You saw all of a sudden all of the smoke billowing out. Yeah. So what I thought was um, – like the fire suppression had
1: gone was, off yeah. so
2: much mm-hmm. that it was just steam coming out yeah, I mean. everywhere, and then as that settled, and you saw that the top of the building wasn't there. Yeah, I
1: mean.
2: and uh, of course we all knew at that point. Wow, the world has changed forever.
1: Yeah, right. Totally.
2: I
0: was, I was gonna ask. I I remember where I was. I was I was in uh, elementary, and we were in PE, and we didn't. The, the coach Strothers pulled us. His name was Coach Strothers, He pulled us in told us not to change. Pulls into TV. Turns it on. Looks at us and says, "The world has changed forever." Yeah. And I was curious what the military sentiment was. Yeah. Um, was it different? Was it pretty uniform? Um,
2: no. Yeah. It was. It was different. It mm-hmm. was so. Although the Cold War was over, mm-hmm. it was uh, all right. The Cold War's over, so we don't have you know it now. In an SF, we're all regional. Right? right, so I was in seventh group, so we're central and South America. So it's like, all right, we're going to be doing our thing. We're going to be doing this counter narc thing, yeah, sure, probably forever because nobody really wants to win this, right? Yeah, so, yeah. This is yeah. just going
0: to drone. on Yeah, this is just going to drone on and sure. on and on.
2: So we're going to be doing this for a while, but you know, it keeps us employed, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, third third group's doing their thing in sub-Saharan Africa, and fifth group's doing stuff in the Middle East and. Tenth group, well, the Cold War is over, so they don't really have a whole lot to do. Yeah, you know, they're they got,
0: on vacation. Yeah, they got North right. Africa.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, still stuff going on, and you know, little pockets of stuff in Asia. So first group's doing their thing, but we're all kind of like, yeah, we're we're all just we're just doing our thing, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it it is what it is. Yeah, and this is kind of low intensity conflict is the is the wave of the future, and this something will pick up, you know, uh, you know sooner or later. Uh, maybe, you know, we were look, already looking at Hugo Chavez might yeah, run right. a flex and try to invade a neighboring country at some point. We are all <laughs> kind of hoping for that because we all thought he was a douche.
1: But, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: uh, you know, Saddam, of course, was still over there. We figured yeah. at some point, you know, he'd kick off. But we wouldn't be involved.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Um, but we, the writing was on the wall that, uh, wow, this is it. This is going to be everybody's war.
1: Mm. Yeah,
2: Maybe not, not right now, but ev- but eventually it's going to be everybody's mm. war. We got back. Well, there were. It was kind of happened in stages. We had a regularly regularly scheduled uh, visit from the group commander about two weeks after nine eleven, and he said, "Okay, like everything's. You're going back to a completely different world." He said, uh, "Good and bad." Mm-hmm. Like he said. Uh, you can't even buy an American flag right now because everybody's
1: mm-hmm.
2: buying American flags. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, we have really rallied together, a country. It's really quite impressive.
0: What was that like?
2: Yeah. Well, again, we we come out of a very divisive. You know, we talk about yeah. this election.
1: Right.
2: Uh, Bush Gore was a very divisive was, election. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was you know, settled, you know, the hanging chads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and and, all, and you know that being settled basically ba- hinging on one county in the mm-hmm. state of Florida. Yeah. And, and you know. And, we were, that was pretty divisive. Yeah. And, you know, people were very vocal. And it was like all of a sudden the, uh, the snide comments about W stopped because mm-hmm. people realized we, we need to, we need a united front. We need to all be yeah. together. But uh, at that point, most military bases were open. Mm-hmm. Like no air force bases were because obviously you don't want somebody
1: right. just flying driving the their yeah, driving
2: yeah. their challenger into a into yeah, a fighter plane that right? would be bad that would be bad. But like Fort Bragg open, Fort Benning open, all these other large posts were open posts. Mm-hmm. You know, you would have restricted areas on posts. Yeah, but for the most part, they were wide open. Mm-hmm. And he was he said, "You're going to get back. Posts aren't open anymore." Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're trying to figure out how to control this. Because the yeah. post had grown so much over time, mm-hmm. you couldn't fence the whole thing, yeah, right? right? So, you know, access points is something stump- we're still trying to figure out. He said, so that's different. He said, uh, if you fly through a civilian airport, he goes, you know what the civilian airports look like down here in Columbia? Soldiers with guns. You're going to see that. Mm-hmm. He goes, you know, that's... And, uh, you know, pre-911, uh, as long as it wasn't wider than your hand. I flew with a pocket knife every time. I flew with yeah. a... Spider Co harpy hook bill
1: mm-hmm.
2: everywhere I went, you know, and nobody had a problem with it. You yeah, know, yeah. and that's, you know, that wasn't a thing anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a massive change. And uh, got, then when we got back, the Sergeant Major met us on the tarmac and he said, uh, all right, you know, if you guys think that you're going to refit and you're going somewhere, you're not. And he said, but he said, fifth group, 10th group, third group is going to be actively engaged. He said they have priority for pretty much everything right now
1: yeah. because mm-hmm.
2: they're going to be the you know the actively engaged in this. So when it comes to getting the best and newest equipment, it's going to be them. Mm-hmm. When it comes to getting shooting schools, it's going to be them. Just um, be prepared for that. And he said, but he said it'll come around eventually. He said this is this is going to be a thing. We're, yeah. all, we're all this is not going to be a one and done.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is
2: going to be protracted, and we're all going. And I was going to pull my med school application for that. Okay. And he talked me out of it. Okay. He said, uh, you're, you're better served and the the force is better served. If you go, he said, we're not going right away. Mm-hmm. He said, so it's still going to be, he said, years. Yeah. At least two. He said, so you're going to pull your application. You're not going to go to med school. And he goes, and then something can happen that you get pulled to do an instructor tour. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or you get promoted and promoted off of a team you might be working up at the s3 shop or something where yeah. he goes then we might deploy in you and you still don't mm-hmm. really get in it anyway yeah he said this way you can go become a physician come back as a physician who understands us and understands what we do yeah we don't have to teach you anything mm-hmm. and you're ready to, on, on day one you come in here you're you're ready to work he goes yeah. he said look at how many times we get a we get a we get a battalion surgeon we got to teach him how to put his equipment together yeah
0: yeah is that, said, is that a common thing? Because I didn't realize at that, that. time like, it was. Do you yeah. sometimes just get space cadets, basically. That yeah, at that
2: <laughs> time, at that time, and there wasn't really like a uh, in in SF. We didn't really have a selection process for yeah. the physicians that we got. Usually, it was if they somebody contacted the SF command surgeon mm-hmm. and they had an impressive phone conversation mm-hmm. with that individual. Sure. Hey, I played rugby in college and blah, blah. <laughs> all right. Hey, you're in. You're
1: bro. in. And yeah. there there was
2: also no thought given to. Like we would get what's called general medical officers, so people that hadn't been to residency,
1: mm-hmm.
2: family medicine, dermatologists, internal ophthalmologists, like a bunch of stuff. But yeah. but then post 9-11, it was like, all right, we want emergency medicine physicians because mm-hmm. this is – trauma is what we do now. Yeah. and they This have, is war. Yeah, yeah. 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 And they have to be residency trained and everything mm-hmm. else.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, now, Ranger Regiment always – you everybody always had to go through – it used to be rip and rope and then it became RASP.
1: How many so,
0: acronyms do you have to memorize? Oh, God, it's so many. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to so save this question to, toward the end, but let me just go ahead and ask you, what's your favorite acronym? My
1: favorite acronym? Food yeah. bars,
2: probably. That's, That's a everybody's good one. favorite acronym. Share, share what's it's a good, good one. one. Yeah, Fucked Up Beyond All Recognition. There we go. There it <laughs> is. I'm not <laughs> leaving
0: that one, Mom. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. What's your least favorite acronym? My least <laughs>
2: favorite acronym? Um, least favorite acronym. Hmm. Uh, oh, God, there was one that I just heard that was reminded of the other day. And now I'm blanking it. Oh, my least favorite acronym. So, um, one of the more high speed schools in SF is called Safartech. And I can never remember exactly what the. I never mm-hmm. went to it, but You're I can sure. never. When I'm, when I'm talking <laughs> about it, I always You're have like, to Google it because I, I can never remember if it's S O F A R or S F A E R. Like, right. it's a really and it confusing is a acronym.
0: T-E-C-H-T-E-K.
1: Yeah,
2: But it's it's a weird one. It's like tiaka. It's like really weird. <sighs> okay.
1: Yeah, it's a it's really weird acronym. It's basically a BS acronym. Yeah. If, right.
2: if I had actually gone to the course, I would probably be able to remember yeah, it, but sure. I never did. That's, maybe that's maybe that was the prerequisite that I missed out. Yeah, you got to know <laughs> the I didn't understand to the acronyms, yeah, so, so in I society, you gotta, never got to go. So far tech. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because when I yeah. when I first went to work for for Persis Medical, the Ofer Milad, who was the CEO, um, I was always coming up with marketing ideas that revolved around acronyms. Sure. <laughs> And I'm like, we'll call it a. And I would come up with an yeah. acronym for it. For it, and he said, and, and then he came up with an acronym to describe me. And he, like, <laughs> he he said, I call you the, uh, what was it? The, the all about the acronyms guy. You wrote it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stay back. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So many acronyms, man. Right. So it's, it's
1: ridiculous. It, it,
2: it, here's I to... wait really uh, okay, quick, yeah, 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 quick funny story. So. Uh, I went to um, a, a briefing that they were giving to uh, to spouses, as like a welcome brief mm-hmm. to new spouses coming into yeah. into SF, and they gave them like a, a handout, and it was like these are what these terms mean, and it included like a three page thing of acronyms, oh, and I looked through there, and there were two classified acronyms on the list. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and How I really? went up. To, I went up to the guy giving the briefing. I go, "There's like, two classified acronyms on this list." Oh, my and he's like, are you sure? I go, I'm 100% sure. Which one's that? Right
1: I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I got
2: him. Because even though they've probably been declassified right. at this point, That's I yeah. Yeah, but I was like, I was like shocked. I was like, and I like, it was a guy next to me. I was like, you see this? Is and he's he right? like, holy shit.
0: He was he goes, like, that's Fubar. He goes, I thought, yeah, exactly. I, like,
2: <laughs> I thought we weren't supposed to. I'm like, we're not. We're not. Yeah. That's was sure. <laughs> yeah. <supposed> to be... <laughs> yeah, totally not supposed to be in there. <laughs> I don't think these yeah. guys have <laughs> yeah. been in
1: D8. Yeah, yeah, anyway. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. so,
2: yeah. so, yeah. so yeah. all of the wives went home with a, sure. with with a handout. With some classified classified information that they didn't know was in thing. That's Good thing
0: Facebook wasn't exactly on Yeah, because they would have scanned it and posted it. Just completely would it. Check it out, Karen. Look at this handy little of Yeah, Go for it. Something that I am... T- really interested in, especially with some of our starting conversation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is symbology and mm-hmm. little symbols that exist in the things that you've done and the things that you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. Uniforms, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, tro- like talking about Vietnam and things mm-hmm. that you saw there, things you heard of, um, the things that you've done, the medical license, you know, you've got tattoos. What are some things that you find meaning in, mm-hmm. uh, symbols you find meaning in, whether it's a uniform or something else? And one of the things you do that I really admire is you're setting forth an example of kind of modern masculinity and and Mm -hmm. what it means to have virtues and values and and hold them while making space for everybody else. So, you know, what is (laughs) – that's a long-winded thing. What are some symbols that you look to and, um, you know, how did you find yourself becoming this person?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if this is exactly where you're going with this, but this is what came sure, to mind please. when you said it is. So uh, when you talk about my tattoos, yeah. right? So I have, the, I have the ranger crest on my left mm-hmm. forearm, which is a shield, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, early on, I started referring to, uh, when it comes to tattoos, I started referring to my left and right arm as my shield arm and my sword arm. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have crossed arrows on my right arm. Mm-hmm. I don't have a sword here yet. You know, mm-hmm. eventually I probably will. Um, I do have on, on the Viking, he's got a warhammer on yeah. his head. So that's a weapon, right? So, uh, it's just, I just made this weird decision that, you know, even, mm-hmm. I had a dual decision. One, obviously I have no color tattoos on my right arm.
1: Right. Uh,
2: so that this would be the no color arm and would be the sword arm and this would be the shield arm. And I have another shield that's a, a crust that I designed. Um, I designed, I, I think I'm very drawn to the shield symbology. Mm-hmm. Um, I designed two, uh, two emblems when I was in the unit. One was uh, specifically for a a team that I deployed with, so there's technically only five people that can wear it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that was when I went to Afghanistan in 2011 and it's a a shield uh, with uh, um, a Templar cross in the middle. I was going to do the Hospitaller cross, but it just didn't look right because I wanted some color in there. And uh, it has uh, crossed arrows um, and a trident because we're, uh, uh, we were we uh, were multi multi uh, discipline teams, we had Navy guys on the team mm-hmm. and Army guys on the team, um, and it's and it's all on a shield, and it looks very much. and I and I got the idea from a knight's hospitaler shield, mm-hmm. and then the second uh, second symbol that I developed ended up being uh, the unit's new symbol mm-hmm. for for the JMAW. And it's a it's a black shield with a red border, um, and then within it you have um, uh, the rod of Asclepius. So you have the wings with a snake, but instead of being on uh, instead of being on um, uh, on a staff, it's on a Spartan Zephos, which mm-hmm. is turned turned up on its end. So yeah, something about shields has always appealed to me, mm-hmm. and you know the whole uh, when I read uh, Gates of Fire the whole emphasis that the Spartans put on, you know, that this yeah, you know, the Zephus is great and the javelin's great and all this other stuff is great, but really what the hoplon is really what makes us who we yeah. are.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's,
2: you know, when you know, for a while, you know, Greybeard is my brand now, but yeah. originally I envisioned having a quite a different brand and it okay. was gonna be called Hoplon Medical. Okay. So uh, you know, the the whole idea of you know, the symbology of a shield and that it doesn't just protect you, but it protects the person to your left yeah. as well right that it's uh, and that in in time of need that it's also a litter to carry you off the field mm-hmm. that uh you know the the mongols uh, the reason mongolian barbecue is the way it is is cuz mongols used to cook on their shields right yeah. they would take out the wooden insert and they mm-hmm. would cook on their shields yeah. so uh you know the the shield is is really you know weapons design early on was was pretty easy and pretty primitive you know mm-hmm. you know uh, you know taking sharpening a piece of flint and then jamming it in a split stick and then yeah. tying it with some animal mm-hmm. hide, right? Those, those were the first weapons. But when man first started to say, hey, maybe I need something to protect myself and protect the person next to me, and shields became developed. So mm-hmm. the symbolic you know, sh- shields, I'm always very drawn to shields. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that's a crest or a shield mm-hmm. immediately draws my attention, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I want to study it in detail, and I want to know more about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there's definitely a through line with you are a protector, you were drawn to jujitsu, not yeah. Muay Thai. There's there right. some th- yeah. medicine, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. These are things that you can use to serve people. Yeah. So I find that very interesting. And even Greybeard is supplements. It's meant to help yeah. and, and to aid. Yeah, so exactly. There's something. there's something about that that I, I find fascinating. Yeah,
2: I guess there, yeah, there's something. I, I didn't know it until now, but I guess there's something on a on a subconscious level that, that really draws me to that. So, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: What a... And... This is a, a moment on a podcast where the guest has m- more than enough right to say, don't want to answer that. What was maybe the hardest day or two that you had in action? Um, just especially with, like, your specialties, yeah. all the um, things you did.
2: No, um, June uh, 2011, uh, when we lost Jeremy Katzenberger. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, It's, I didn't, I'm compared to most soldiers and most physicians especially, I'm pretty fortunate in, I haven't lost a lot. Not because I'm some amazing doctor, Mm -hmm. but the way operational tempo was throughout all my deployments, the people that I went out on target with and the level of overwhelming force that they brought with them Mm -hmm. was just such that uh, I wasn't involved in a lot of catastrophic casualty Mm -hmm. incidents so and because they're so few you know that's that really and and uh, and that was the first
1: yeah
2: um that really sticks out yeah you know it's uh, yeah he was a young uh, staff sergeant ranger squad leader leading from the front uh was running off the back of a chinook helicopter and uh and took around um took around that went in uh left shoulder and and came out here and and unfortunately, and, and I and I told, I've never had a chance to tell his family this, but I was able to tell uh, his squad mates this, and and I hope it made its way to his family. Is I'm a hundred percent sure that he never suffered,
1: mm-hmm.
2: because it was it was pretty instantaneous. Yeah. You know, it, there there wasn't a, there was probably not a moment of fear there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There was not a a thought to his injury even. Yeah. You know that, uh, so we were thankful for that. But we and we, uh, that was a bad night. That was a bloody night, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, we, we didn't go out that night we were receiving the casualties as they came in but uh there were there was a lot and you know, a lot a lot going into surgery that night mm-hmm. and, um other than other than jeremy everybody made it out and i i was able to find out later about the rehabilitation process that everybody else we saw that night went through and they all returned back to their jobs eventually mm-hmm. with no issues which is yeah. which was good but yeah that's that's the night that, that sticks out. And mm-hmm. there's not I guess and again, I'm I'm fortunate because there's not there is no there's no if only involved in that case either. Yeah, mm-hmm. There's no if only I'd done this, or sure. if only i thought of this, or if only if if only I'd have been right behind him. Even if yeah. I would have been literally standing next to him with my aid bag open, yeah. the outcome would and that that was yeah. another thing that I told the medics that, that took care of him in the field. I said mm-hmm. I said had he got this exact same injury in the operating room, already already scrubbed. Mm-hmm in the operating room, and we'd inflicted this exact same injury, the outcome would have been the same. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that's as much peace of mind as you can kind of take away from something yeah. like that. So,
0: As a doctor, as a ranger, you are prepared for so many things physically, mm-hmm. uh, mentally. You are put through the ringer so that when the worst happens, you can handle it. Nothing can really prepare you as a doctor, as a ranger, as a person for loss. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you carry that going forward? Yeah. What, what are the things that you do to deal with that?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, it, if... The, the first time that you have to deal with it is, is kind of what kind of sets the tone for yeah. everything else. Mm-hmm. So he was the first patient that I lost in, in combat. I mean, I, I had... He was the first patient I lost in GWAT. I, I in in encounter drug, I never had a patient that I lost in front of me. Mm-hmm. I did have a patient that I cared for, that I medevac out, mm-hmm. that then died on the operating table. Yeah, um, I knew that I did everything in my power. I knew that I did everything right, um, and that I didn't have any control over that. Mm-hmm. Right, um, you know, I didn't delay him. I didn't sit on him. I didn't miss miss you know treat him incorrectly. It was he died on the operating table and, and probably would have no matter what. Um, I did have patients when I was a resident that died, and a couple in particular left me wondering if maybe I could have done a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you dwell on that for a while, and you yeah. and you talk to your peers about that, and you you lay out exactly what you did, and you get their feedback on it. And I've had it even, even since then, even since retiring, um, I had a patient that, Uh, Just an absolute catastrophic patient that I saw uh, here in Texas that I ended up talking to a lot of colleagues about and like, you know, hey, I want you to look at this. I want you to look at my note and what we did and I want you to tell me, did I I do this? Did Mm -hmm. I screw up in this? And if I've been fortunate in that there's never been one where everybody's gone, yeah, totally like. You're totally you own that. You're totally mm-hmm. responsible. I know physicians like I, I. have a physician who told me. He said, "Oh, I have," he said, "I have a clean kill. I have a I have a patient that, oh yeah, I, I hit that artery, mm-hmm. and that patient died. Yeah. and that's on me,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? That's not on anybody else. I don't know if I could. I honestly don't know if I could handle that.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. you
2: know if I could recover from that professionally. Um, since I haven't had that, I have been able and and you just you learn from it and yeah. you say. If I see this again, I'm going to recognize it and I'm not going to treat it the same. Yeah. You know, so that's helpful. Um, I had a patient that, uh, not a trauma patient, a medical patient that that didn't make it. Um, this was uh, a few years back and I didn't do anything wrong. Um, I'm not going to say that I did everything 100% right, but. I didn't really know what was going on. In spite of not really knowing what was going on, I ended up doing everything pretty much right mm-hmm. and getting that patient to the next level of care that they needed to get to. Um, about a day and a half later, that patient expired. Mm-hmm. And again, that was another one that you know I shared with all my colleagues and mm-hmm. everything else. But I've seen um, that the condition that that patient had, I have seen three times since then. And when I see it, I know it when I see it and I am so loud about it mm-hmm. and I am I am on the phone telling people, no, you will you will respect the urgency of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because last time I saw somebody not respect the urgency of this, a young lady ended up dead. Yeah. And so you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 hard. It's when it happens it's hard. Talking to the family is hard. Talking to the family is 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 almost an art form because you're mm-hmm. still, you're still feeling it yeah. and you're still feeling, mm-hmm. you know, that sense of doubt. And then, you know, looking at somebody, uh, the, the, probably the, one of the hardest things I've ever have to, had to do in my entire life is tell a parent that their three month old was dead. Yeah. That we couldn't bring her back. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, you know, I've had to tell uh, a man that his his wife of thirty years was not dead, but was we just was sent her up, we way. just sent her upstairs, and you know, and this this is what it is. This is the you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretty this up for you. Yeah. Um, we, one of the most unusual. It, it's weird that I would I would still remember this, but I had to. I had to go in, this was probably, I think this was the first time I ever solo um, as either a second year or third year had to go in and break the news to somebody. And I had a med student with me and I had uh, another physician who was from a different service. They were a consultant and I don't remember what service he was from, but I remember he was also a prior SF guy. He was a couple years ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So he was either a brand new attending or he was a, a senior resident in his discipline. And I had to go into a room and I had to, I had to tell this family. Um, that their loved one was gone, and 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 I did, and the the way that I laid it out to them, and you know the series of events, and I didn't, and, and you learn in medical school to never use phrases like "he's gone,"
1: mm-hmm.
2: because that's he's gone where he went to another hospital,
1: you know, mm-hmm.
2: he passed, he passed the test, like you don't, you have to say you have to use the D word, yeah, you have to say he he's deceased, he's yeah. dead, right? You have to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't beat around the bush, and this is a very sensitive time for them. And it's not It's not about, uh, un, unlike in the eyes of our current president, this isn't about you and your loss that you might have had a couple yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. This is about them. Mm-hmm. And I delivered that news, and, uh, and I said, if you have any questions, I, I'm going to give you a moment if you have any questions. I'm right outside. And I walked out, and the... Uh, the off-service physician that was also a former SF guy, he said, that was really well done. Mm-hmm. He said, I know that's a weird compliment. <laughs> and he said, but he said, I've given or seen that news given I don't know how many times. And he said, that was very well done.
1: Yeah.
2: And I said, yeah, it, out of all the shit you want to be good at, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, yeah. You know, it it's... Uh, it's hard, yeah. You know, it's, that's, that's, that's one of the tougher things yeah. is, you know, is giving people that news. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes with the job though.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. as you've been talking, I, my perception, I guess, of that piece of the medical field of a doctor's responsibility, I think I sort of assumed it's like a, you learn to deal with it or you mm-hmm. learn to move on from it. And mm-hmm. what I hear in you and seeing you is you learn to accept it. Like yeah. you, you. Mm-hmm you carry it and you yeah. care and you accept it. And that's just yeah. something I've never had the maturity to realize, I guess. So yeah. doctors like you who care deeply, it's not yeah. a matter of you learn to cope with it. You yeah. just literally learn how to accept yeah. the responsibility. You
2: can't, you know, in healthcare, we get jaded about stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I've never been jaded about there that though. Yeah. Never about death. Yeah, And, uh, you know, I'll make it through the rest of my shift and, you know, I either call on the way home mm-hmm. or, it, or we're talking about it as soon as I get in. Yeah. And Denise is such a, a great wife. She recognizes that we got to talk about this. Like, yeah. I'm not going to come over every day and, and complain about every drug addict that was <laughs> slinging PCs sure, yeah, and yeah. everything else. You know, I might tell some of the funnier stories. Yeah. Right. But uh, when something really catastrophic happens, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got to talk about
1: it. Yeah.
2: Um, and it's I'm not yeah I again at all the things you want to be good at. Mm-hmm. I don't like being comfortable with death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know when I run a code, there you get to a point in a code that you're like, this is not going to work. Yeah. That we're not getting this person back. It's yeah. just it's it is what it is. And uh, and two things that I have that I, and I don't even know when I started doing it, but two things that, that I started doing when it comes to codes like that is when I when I realize we're at the point that this seems pretty futile,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I will say to everyone in the room, you know, there's a you know, there's nurses, there's an EMT, there's radiology techs in the room, you know, respiratory techs. A, a, at that point, as far as I'm concerned, every, you know, I, I'm in charge of this code, but at that point I open it up to everybody to have a voice. And I will say, okay, this is where we are. The patient came in like this. This is what we knew about them. This is what we have tried. This is what we have at this point. Does anyone have any suggestions? Is, is there anything I have not thought of? And I'm never, you know, it, it's, I have to, you, I, literally anybody in the room, to include, you know, the, the clerk typist, data entry clerk.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If they say, well, have you tried this? We'll try it.
1: Yeah.
2: You know? And uh, and I, so I'll, I will say, all right, we're going to try one more round of CPR. We're going to try one more round of medication.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, stop, and I'll, I'll put the ultrasound, you know, I'll look at the tracing, and I'll put the ultrasound probe on the chest and, and I'll hold it there for a full minute mm-hmm. to to see that I don't get any cardiac wall mo- movement at all. And I'll say, okay, that's and the I'll say to the I'll say to the room and to the recorder, this is I'm calling it now. We're going to stop efforts. This is the time of death. And then I ask everyone to give a moment of silence mm-hmm. together.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I've had uh, I've had a lot of coworkers say that, you know that they they f- they appreciate that cuz it feels like we are treating this like a person mm-hmm. and we're and we're we're providing some level of closure we're not just all right you you write down the time of death i'm going to go get the family and right. take my gloves yeah, off and it. walk out
0: here it goes yeah mm-hmm.
2: and i said you know we, we all we all need that you know this is we we have to recognize you know we're, we we're in this business because life is precious mm-hmm. and we just lost one
1: yeah. so yeah. let's
2: not gloss over that yeah. You know, let's, let's, let's recognize that for what it was.
1: Yeah.
2: And, uh, I have this, I have this weird thing that, um, I don't like to pronounce anybody until I know their first name. And I don't even, I don't even know when that started yeah. for me,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but I, it's like, I have to know their first name. Mm-hmm. I have to know, you know, somebody, uh, they did CPR in the field for 20 minutes and we've been doing CPR. Give me his wallet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I it's just a thing with me mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: So. it's interesting because Ooh. it's you know it's like SF we do trauma like yeah. there is this stereotype of the brooding silent ex-military you know holding everything in and you are so beautifully not that it, obviously you communicate to your team you communicate mm-hmm. to your wife you don't hold these things in did that come naturally or is that something that you had to learn
2: no, I have always I've always, uh, always kind of worn my heart on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. So I I I've, I've, I've always been a pretty emotional guy. Yeah. I mean, and, and rather than try to defeat that in myself, I've tried to make use of that. Yeah. You know, and and make, you know, incorporate that in what I do. Yeah. Cuz I don't I don't want to conform. I don't want to try to push that down and then and then I'm having all these problems later. Yeah. I have no problem with the fact that you know, I I can watch a YouTube video and break into tears. Yeah, uh, it, that's that's who I am. I don't have yeah. a problem with that. And you know, I I'd would r- rather be that way than push it all you know deep mm-hmm. down inside.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know
0: where where does that play into? Because I you know again, as someone who follows you, someone who respects you and admires you. You know, I see that masculinity is something that you also include in your messaging. Yeah. as far as far as just honestly planting the flag a little bit of like, <laughs> yeah. hey. Yeah. Being masculine is not toxic, inherently. No, no, it's, I, yeah,
2: I know, you know, I, you know, I cry, I, you know, I, I, and I know many very masculine men who, mm-hmm. who cry.
0: His name is Tim Kennedy.
2: Right. Tim, I've seen Tim cry, yeah. right? It's, I and know, we're, I know. What, right here, you're yeah.
0: absolutely masculine. <laughs>
2: there's, there's no doubt. Yeah, you know, you know, Daniel Cormier crying, yeah. you know, in, in, in the octagon. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, n- nobody has any right to talk shit about
1: that. Yeah, you know, yeah.
2: that's, um, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being an emotional person. Yeah. You know, if – you know, now – and there's a difference between crying and expressing sorrow because of loss. Sure. You know, personal yeah. loss, personal injury. There's a difference between that and uh, wailing in the fetal position. Sure, yeah. And, you know, uh, it's you – know, you know, then you've kind of crossed the line.
1: Yeah, sure.
2: But I don't think uh, – I don't think there's anything – Anti-masculine, yeah. About crying, I yeah. don't. You know, and I think even even the guy who does the the uh, be a man uh, Instagram oh, thing. Oh, that's I so mean, funny. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's a, you know it's a joke. It's a joke. You know, right. yeah. It's I mean it's a parody. And, you know yeah. and the par- the parody is one thing, right? And we and we all we all do the parody. And we yeah, all talk. Satire about is fun. Yeah, Like, there's yeah. a
0: place for that. Exactly. It's like leaning into yeah. the you know yeah. emotionless. Yeah. It's, hitman thing. Yeah. yeah,
2: like but you know I eyeball all the time. And yeah. it's you know it's I, I think I think this goes back about 20 years. It's I the the more emotional part of me really I think came to fruition when my oldest son was born. Really. Um something something about that, you know, I w- I was crying when he was born. <laughs> um every little thing that he would do, you know, his first step, yeah. everything. And uh, I think that was the moment that I became and maybe on some weird level, it's you know, all right. I'm a I'm a man who's done all these manly things, and now I have a man child. So I've checked all the man boxes. So now I can cry, <laughs> yeah. right? Maybe I don't yeah, I don't know. Sure. The threshold's yeah. been crossed. Exactly. Right. Now, yeah. I yeah. I got nothing to pr- I got nothing to prove anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I can so I can open up the floodgates.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> nobody can question me. You know.
2: Me. <laughs> you, know I'll, you know. It's I, I'm not embarrassed to say this. i what my my wife and I. My my wife is is. Loves music. She's very yeah. musical. Yeah, and we watch The Voice every Monday night.
1: Yeah, and yeah. a
2: pr- and a rousing rendition on The Voice, I will get tears in my it's eyes. A little totally. In I was there. listening
0: yeah. to a Leon Bridges the other day and just yeah. couldn't stop crying. It was yep. you know,
2: dude. There's uh, there's quite a few uh, songs that if I you know come on the radio, I'm like, ah, oh, here it comes. Yeah, there here it yeah.
0: comes. Yep. Yeah. I think two days yeah. ago, I listened to a new song by one of my favorite artists, and there yeah. was just one line. The line and was like, all... I, I. Get high on the fumes and die in the paint was a line, and I just started weeping. Yeah, I, it was beautiful. Yeah, it yeah. is beautiful.
2: <laughs> and it's my my wife and I. Our wedding song um, was "Memories of Us" by Keith Urban. Mm. <sighs> yeah, and uh, that's my that is my alarm tone on my phone when I get up in the morning. Uh-huh. If I don't turn it off in the first ten <laughs> seconds. I'm going to, yeah, it's like, wow. that, that's, that's my, yeah. that's my motivation to that's get out of tribe. bed. <laughs> is, <laughs> yeah. Start the day
0: crying. Yeah,
2: I'm going to exactly. start, yeah, I'm going to start crying. So I yep. got to turn that off. Like, that's and I've it it heard that song right. a thousand times.
0: Same thing. Yeah. 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 What, it's a twofold question on the masculinity yeah. piece. What is a misconception that you think the hyper-liberal, you know, all, all men are evil, masculinities, <laughs> hi, she, her, they, men yeah. are bad. What's a misconception that that group has about masculinity, but Mm -hmm. also on the other side, like the super hyper-masculine borderline. Real men don't cry. Real men don't cry, guys. Like, what are the misconceptions on both sides?
2: That's, I think, a a pretty common misconception is that a a mass. so this, it it actually goes right into a a disagreement that I had with with my own mother.
1: Mm -hmm. Nice.
2: So (laughs) this was, this was a (laughs) back, so back, you know, of course, during the previous administration, the term alpha male started coming up again. Yeah. And I did a podcast episode just recently talking about that oh. because people counter that by trying to say, oh, there's no such thing as alpha males. Well, you know, the, the Trump's always saying alpha male, there's no such thing as alpha males. And I, mm-hmm. I basically explain why that's not true. But uh, my mom sent me this text. And I don't know what inspired her to send this, but she said uh, alpha males beat their wives. And I said, no, the exact opposite is true. Mm-hmm. If somebody beats their wife, by definition, They're not an alpha male. Yeah, they're a a weak person. They're a beta getting their ass kicked, and that's their only outlet. Mm -hmm, Right, mm -hmm. that's a beta male move. That's not an alpha male move. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the biggest misconception: is that these that hyper masculinity means that I that I look down on women, Mm -hmm. that I'm a misogynist, I'm a chauvinist, that I that I would beat women. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, all that could not be further from the truth. You know, it's it's I I saw a saying recently. It's you know warriors protect their women not because their women are weak but because their women are important
1: yeah mm-hmm.
2: right yeah. that's that's the future of our cuz they tribe. need them around. yeah that's the future <laughs> of our tribe that's the yeah. future of our bloodline mm-hmm. we don't exist without yeah. them Yeah. okay they are the most vi- they are the most valuable thing they're yeah. more valuable than riches than food than than land So that is what needs to be protected, Uh okay? And, you know, we can go on all day about, you know, are there genetic, obvious genetic differences that came out of millions of years of evolution, Mm -hmm. why it's more logical for a man to be in front of a woman protecting her from harm? Obviously there is. Um, But the thought that it's, you know, we don't, oh, sweetheart, you can't handle this, that would never cross my mind,
1: you know, you know,
2: yeah, it's, uh, not, not for a moment. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, my, my wife is a life and leadership coach and, and specifically she works, uh, in the, in the realm of female leadership. And Mm -hmm. we've had extensive discussions on this is, is that, uh, there's, there's a misconception in the corporate world that everyone has continued to perpetuate that the only model of leadership mm-hmm. is the male model of leadership. Yeah. So what happens to women in business is they come in, they try to conform to that male model of leadership yeah. to prove they're just as good as the guys because they do it the same way yeah. as the guys, mm-hmm. right? And that's again, you're going against millions of years when you try to do that. Yeah. So you know, I, I've had uh, I've had women, co- female commanders. I had a female hospital commander. Was one of the best leaders that I ever yeah. served with. She didn't try to lead like a dude.
0: Yeah, she leaned you know, into her strengths as a female. Right. right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. She did. She tried. You know. Now she wasn't. When I went to meetings in her office, you know, she wasn't. You know, there wasn't potpourri, and she wasn't. <laughs> knitting, you know, sure. Classic yeah. feminine things. No. You know, she was a soldier. She was a yeah. she was a professional military officer. Mm-hmm. But she didn't. You know, she didn't chew tobacco and spit in a in a spit cup either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she you know she wasn't trying. So you know when, in the corporate world, when we're trying to force. Square pegs and around holes and convince women where well, you got to lead like a man or nobody's going to respect you. Mm-hmm. You got to cuss and be a ballbuster. Yeah, and all that, you know, it's no. There's you know, we you know the first thing you learned in the first really cool thing you learned in kindergarten was boys and girls are different and that's neat. Yeah, and it's, it's neat how we're different, right? Yeah. 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 Um, there are differences, so you know it's you know uh, everybody has their own leadership style. Everybody mm-hmm. has their own style of. Of doing whatever, you know, their own, yeah. st- you know, high level female jiu jitsu players who mop the floor with men are not, they're not, they're not doing a Gordon Ryan game. Yeah. They're doing a different game. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to make Gordon Ryan's top pressure game work for them. Mm-hmm. They're doing something else. Yeah. Right. So, you know, w- we kind of got on a weird segue here, but, you know, the, these the, these misconceptions come in many, many different forms right. and have a lot of secondary and tertiary effects, yeah, I guess yeah. is what I'm getting
0: at. For sure. When it yeah. seems obvious that, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like what you're saying is that fully realized femininity and fully realized masculinity are different and both equally powerful. Totally. <laughs>
2: and and totally. we're together, too, and we're, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that inherently... Again, fully realized those things inherently cannot be toxic because yep. of, you know, if something is functioning the way it's supposed to, it works.
2: Yeah. It's called health. Yeah. It's if, healthy. If these things were toxic <laughs> sure. we would have perished as a species millions yeah. of years ago. So yeah. obviously they're not toxic.
0: Yeah. You know? And and from where you sit, where did when did the cultural conversation when did it become almost a risk to even say, Hey, men and women are different distinctly?
2: gosh I don't know when that was I mean you know you had the you know you had the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s um, missed out on that. It, it's kind of been it's it's really been in stages yeah you know uh, Shapiro talks about it you know mm-hmm. that you know first we had this and now we got this and first we had and then we had this and then we had this and you know now here we are at this so um, it's kind of hard to pin that down um, I can tell you in the in the early days of the talk about you know gender integration into combat arms in the military um, I was against it because my whole thing was unless you can unless you can hundred percent show me that this enhances our ability to kill people and break things
1: mm-hmm.
2: not 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 the conversation shouldn't be we don't think this is going to be a detriment yeah the conversation should be we do think we have we have good data to show that this is going to help mm-hmm. mm-hmm. To me that should always be the conversation. Yeah. You know, you don't want somebody handing you a, "Hey, we're going to take that gun away from you." And you're going to go into war that with this gun, we don't think it's any worse. <laughs> That's not the conversation. It shouldn't yeah. be any worse. Yeah, yeah, we you know, probably. PS yeah.
0: don't get a wet. Right, um,
2: exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's not a conversation you want to have. So I was very much against it. But then but I also see the other side of that coin. Yeah. And the other side of that coin is um, that there are women out there that want to do that, mm-hmm. you know. And and a court and the the argument that's made that was a little bit of a straw man argument, but it is true. Was well, not all men can do it either. No, that's true. Not all Fair. men can do it. Yeah. But you know, if, if we're if we're dead if we're data driven, sure. And you look <laughs> at what the average man can do and mm-hmm. the average woman can do, not the average man versus the exceptional. Yeah. Right.
0: Just average, average. Because yeah,
2: because we're looking at curves on everything, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, then you know, intuitively. Mm-hmm. It's going to be much more difficult, yeah. but it's happening. You know, multiple yeah. women have gone through Ranger School. Um, at least one women woman got her SF tab and her green beret. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, women uh, women infantry has been a thing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, women Marine infantry on the enlisted side has been a thing for a while, and I think they finally have a because the the uh, the Marine infantry officer selection is really really hard. Yeah. And, uh, they, a lot of, some women got permanently injured, Shoot. like going out for that. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, been, that's been an ongoing thing for years, but mm-hmm. I think, I think a woman has finally passed that.
1: Made it over part. that. Home. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, um, I mean, it's, it's a thing now. Yeah. So it's, you know, I, I would never, I'm not on active duty anymore, so I don't have to worry about it. For sure. <laughs> but even if I were, you know, I, I wouldn't try to swim upstream on that yeah. because it's, it's a thing and it's. Over time, it's it's going to work itself out. I mean, it's right. going to work or it's not. Anyway.
0: Yeah. And to your point, you know, you had uh, your leader who was female, and yeah. like you said, she didn't lead the way a man would. No. Mm-mm. So it's one of those things of the function will find it. Yeah. Uh, the way the way these things function will work out.
2: Yeah, it'll it'll figure itself out, and hopefully, the, it'd be even better. Yeah, the Canadian Army has actually been doing it for a while, like ever mm-hmm. since the nineties. Mm-hmm.
0: That's their hockey team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same as- <laughs>
2: But the Cana- so the Canadian Army has a thing, though, that uh, – because we, we sent a team up to Canada. This when I was in 7th Group to do like an exchange thing with them, mm-hmm. which was kind of weird because we don't – 7th Group is the one team that shouldn't be really doing stuff with Canada. I remember why that was. But they went and they uh, – the our guys were told by the Canadians. They said, all right, if you see – we're going to be doing all these different military events. They said, if you see one of the females and she's falling behind or whatever, you don't help her. But like we have a regulation in the Canadian Army that if uh, if a soldier can't keep up, you know, and the and the regulation was written gender non-specific, but yeah. it, but it was written also at the same time that they gender integrated. So the reason for it's obvious. Yeah, they said if if a soldier can't keep up and another soldier is carrying part of their load for him, yeah, both soldiers are subject to disciplinary action. Whoa, yeah, because the you know because the, the thought process always was. Well, as soon as something happens, uh, you know, a male's instinct to be protective yeah. is going to jump in there. Yeah. And they had the foresight to kind uh, of, to, to head that off
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, ahead of time. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, how are you doing on time? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, good, yeah, I, I was just checking that.
2: Let me make, I just want to make sure that. Yeah, please, please. Mm-hmm.
0: I know you got to so go back up north too, so that's yeah. a bit of a drive. Um, shall we?
1: Uh, okay. I have like yep. two more All questions right. and then we'll ask the last question. Cool. Okay.
0: Uh, <laughs> one serious, one non-serious. Uh okay. On on the physician side and the cultural side, what was it like to go from things as extreme as literal gunshot wounds, mm-hmm. trauma, like frontline trauma, to clinic settings where it's, you know, self inflicted drug addicts mm-hmm. and I have a sneeze and my nose hurts. Just those two settings. What's it like to step out of one and into the other?
2: It's uh it's different. And it was yeah. it was it was really different for me. Because uh, I didn't, you know, unlike, there there are ER physicians that deploy and work in ERs mm-hmm. overseas, right? So, you know, for the, yeah, you're going to, you know, combat casualties. But you're also going to have your daily, somebody mm-hmm. just had an accident on the yeah. FOB mm-hmm. or somebody has another, it's, you know, sick call hours are over and they come in with whatever. I um,
1: overdid
0: it on this, you know, moonshine again, whatever. Yeah, was, like, yeah,
2: so. yeah, something like that or, you know. Uh, oh oh uh, Gynecological emergencies you sure. know things like that I had a <laughs> I got back from deployment and uh, I was in the, working in the ER again and there was a nurse in the ER who didn't really understand what my role was when I deployed. Mm-hmm. she thought that I worked in an OR overseas and she said she said yeah, I meant to ask you so what uh, what's your guyss so I, I, and I was getting I had a patient come in that was a, a first trimester vaginal bleed Nice. right and uh, so I was getting ready to say it and she's for whatever reason she said yeah I meant to ask you so what was your, what was your guys set up to, to deal with something like that and I think I think because she was saying um, she knew that the unit that I was deploying with was all male
1: mm-hmm.
2: so I, I think it didn't quite click in her head she was like, well you know what what did you do for like a chaperone or something like that And I said yeah so if when I'm deployed, if I'm seeing a vagina that's bleeding, it's because it hit an IED. <laughs> so that's a totally different, totally different yeah.
0: operation. yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't see, you know, yeah. I I don't have stirrups and a speculum sure. <laughs> in my aid pack. Yeah. It just doesn't work that in way. The other yeah, it's yeah. it's not that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a it's a profound difference. Mm-hmm. And you know, you see, uh, I, I, I and I got to say, so military ERs are actually way worse mm-hmm. for seeing stuff that you probably shouldn't be seeing in an ER. Mm-hmm. The reason being because it's free, ah, right? Okay. So, you know, the somebody sitting at home that is just saying, you know what, I think maybe I don't want to go to work tomorrow. On the civilian side
1: mm-hmm.
2: is coming up with a way that they're going to call their boss or do something or maybe they're going to go to an urgent care or maybe they're going to call in the morning and say they have an appointment. In the military, they're like, we're going to the field tomorrow. I don't want to go. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go you to the ER to because sure. I don't have a copay. Uh-huh. I don't have anything. anything. So our numbers, uh, it's and and I've been in meetings where I've had the numbers right in front yeah. of me. So in in your typical uh, your typical civilian emergency room, pre Obamacare, twelve percent of your patients were what we call ESI fours and fives, so not emergencies. Mm-hmm. Right, it's kind of a convenience clinic. Mm-hmm. That was twelve percent. Uh, Post Obamacare, that went up to twenty six percent. Okay, which we knew was going to happen because sure, we actually yeah we had the Massachusetts model, so we already mm-hmm. knew that was going to yeah. happen, and it did. It mm-hmm. went it very quickly. Went up to twenty six percent.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, in the military, it's double that. It's fifty two percent. Whoa! Wow! Yeah. So it's on a, it's on a typical day because I would come in every morning, and it would be in there's you know was a little little slot on my office door because I was I was chair of the department. The previous twenty four hour report would be right there, and I would, and the upper right hand corner. Would say how many es you know how many uh, level ones level twos level threes level four and fives, and the four and fives were always between fifty and fifty two percent, and again it's because there's no it's convenient, the military culture kind of lends into it too mm-hmm. because you know guys will say you know oh, I got this going on and somebody in their some one of their friends or somebody in the chain of command will go well, go to the go, as soon as we get off go to the emergency room
1: because
2: yeah. they don't. It just doesn't it doesn't register, register. Just, doesn't just register as being yeah, yeah being a, a wrong thing to them. Right. I, I had a call, <laughs> I had a call from one of the units one time, um, and uh, she said, "Yeah, so I was, you know, that everybody's saying not to go to your emergency room unless like unless it's like a real life threatening emergency." I said, mm-hmm. uh, "Good, good.
0: Yeah, that's what an that's, emergency. That's exactly is. what <laughs> I want. Like
2: it's on the door. Yeah, or, yeah, emergency. yeah. It's in the name. It's like yeah, that yeah. meme." You know it's that, even they, an act, it's a it's an acronym. Right. It's an er. Yeah. You know the meme with Ben Shapiro where he's like, you know, she's like where and I, I remember oh was, I think we're talking about the Boy Scouts. He goes, the Boy Scouts is for Boys Only, and she says, Where was that written? Well it's literally in, yeah, the, it's name. in the name. <laughs> Boy, Scouts. The Boy Scouts. And they they changed that to sure, say to emergency various. room is for emergencies yeah, yeah, yeah. only. Where does it say that? It's in, it's the, in the name. name. Oh. Yeah, Emergencies. Yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah, it's an it's it's interesting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when when you're operating and especially coming out of the higher level of soft units yeah. where guys don't want to, they don't want to seek care, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because they want to keep, keep operating.
1: Yeah.
2: And then, you know, and then in a military ER where you're seeing, you know, the military population at large, mm-hmm. when you have all these people that, you know, that probably shouldn't be seen <laughs> anyway. Sure. And you see that in the civilian side too. Yeah, so.
0: right. And then my second question is very self-indulgent. <laughs> Just being married to a medical professional, I found that some funny shit happens. Yeah. Can we get just one? What's one of the funnier things? This, that,
2: are you asking rectally? You know, if we, if <laughs> it, you know, it rectal, happens to be. Because I always be rectal, get asked that. So I, yeah. I, so I always, I always get asked that. You know, give us your what,
0: personal favorite. Your personal funny medical medical favorite.
2: Story. <laughs> um,
0: what's the best rectum you've ever seen?
2: <laughs> so I don't know if it's the best. So we did have. <laughs> That's That's nice rectum. Uh, so we did have an individual to come in. So people like to. And you know what's funny is when COVID started,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I predicted when the lockdowns hit. I said we're going to see an increase in rectal form bodies,
0: and you were right.
2: And I was right. Wow! To- in fact, somebody I think wrote a paper on it. Are you that serious? That it went up. Oh and I said gosh. people are going to be home. They're going to be bored. Mm-hmm. They're
0: going to be curious.
2: They're going to be curious and a little horny. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so weird shit's. We're going gonna to see an increase, and sure enough, oh there was an gosh. increase. Wow. We had a uh, we had a guy come in, and for years we referred to him as Buzzy. Uh, who came in and the vibrator was still on oh man they lost control of it oh. he and his partner lost control oh, of it no. and uh, we had to, he had to go to surgery did yeah. they lose sight of it but uh, yeah oh, so, my you, God. so you so could, you could put the stethoscope on his stomach and hear it <sighs> and then we found out if you were quiet enough in the room you
0: oh you could actually
2: fuzzy. you'd hear like this low level
0: frequency yeah
2: oh. yeah so we had to we had to call surgery
1: mm-hmm. Dang. Yeah,
2: and uh, surgery said they're like they're like yes, yeah, you know we get them all prepped and then we cut and then like it's, it's like once we got him open it was just follow the sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my God,
0: yeah, oh buzzy. I wonder if they had their marriage analed.
1: Oh, oh, oh that, was, that was a good one. You're fired. That was a good one. Uh, am I fired? fired? Yeah. Am I officially kicked <laughs> off? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, all
0: right. This this episode is brought to you by Buzzy. <laughs> <sighs> the musical pooper. Oh my gosh. Um, all right. Last question we always ask our guests. This. We could talk all day. We ask, absolutely we can tell that you've done this before. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank, truly, thank you for your thank time. You, thank right, you, man. Thank you for coming on. I'm here. sorry.
2: We, it took so. I, how many times did we say we're going to do it this week? I and mean, we you know what? I didn't even yeah. keep track of that because
0: yeah. it, it was always the PS. Just right? Hey, yeah. by the way, yeah. would love to have you yeah. come on my show because yeah. I just want to meet you in person yeah. and get to talk. Well, I'm to so you.
2: glad we finally got to. Date. I and feel so, really
0: fortunate that you came down.
2: Yeah. Truly, thank you. Yeah. Well, and, thank you for having me. I yeah, want to come absolutely. down. Now that I've seen the place, I'm like, yeah, wow, I, I totally I, want to come down here. Do, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we do, we
0: do uh, BJJ twice mm-hmm. a week. Nice. 6.30 Tuesday, Thursday. Nice. We do, so you can a teach them. You can come here. Some, here. Okay. Yeah, bring yeah. some gray beard geese. Nice. Make sure they comp your sessions and all that, obviously. Obviously. But last question, it's one of our favorites to ask. What does it mean to you to be a Texan?
2: What does it mean to be to me? It, what it means to be a Texan is uh, to be self sufficient, mm-hmm. to be to say what I mean and to mean what I say. If I had to sum it up in, in one That's thing, what, have you thought about this things. before? Because that was pretty. I no, was like yeah. right, yeah. right, now off, now right now off. I've yeah. said that before, but not necessarily <laughs> in conjunction with being a Texan. Yeah. But I think that kind of sums up a Texan. You know, if a yeah. Texan tells me something.
1: You if believe- a Texan
2: tells me they're going to be somewhere at a certain time, mm-hmm. they're there. I don't have to second guess that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's if a, if a Texan tells me, no, you don't want to go that way. You want to go that way.
1: Yeah,
2: I don't you know need details. Cool. Right. Yeah. I don't need you know. Cool. There's a cattle guard or a mud hole or something that they know about. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need to question that. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, and that's not the same. You know, uh, that's not true everywhere.
0: Yeah. So yeah. you know. I, I think being lo- like local native Texans sure. we forget that sometimes. I think you're right. I do as far as like why why we say some of the things we say or why we give the advice we give. Why we ask people how are you getting there?
1: Yeah. right. Yeah, and exactly.
0: It's such a natural thing just wait, yeah. you're going to Dallas, which way? Which direction? Right. Cuz yeah. there's a different way. Yeah. It doesn't fashion. matter how many times <laughs> I right? stop in San Angelo to see my grandparents. They how are you, how are you driving home? How right? are you getting there? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to my my it's my so my wife her grandpa has a farm middle of nowhere takes six hours to get there from here every time we're there same thing, just same how, thing. how are you getting back to Austin yeah. he's told me a different way to go yeah. every single time mm, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah that's <laughs> self-sufficient anyway yeah say what we mean mean you what we, we say. say Dr. Mike Simpson where can we follow you mm-hmm. how can we support what you, you? To? what Let can we know. buy what can we listen to yeah just yeah give us so all the
2: uh, graybeardperformance.com is my website so that's where I sell my line of supplements I have mm. geese rash guards uh, for sale there as well I also have apparel now so I have Trucker hats, jerseys, hoodies—you name it—all uh, at graybirdperformance.com. Graybird Performance has its own Instagram account. Uh, also, I have my personal Instagram account, which is uh, is Dr. Mike Simpson, D-R-M-I-K-E-S-I-M-P-S-O-N. Um, and uh, Graybeard also has a Facebook page. I don't really use that for Gotcha.
0: Yet. Heck yeah. And then okay. podcast, Mind of the Warrior. Mind of the
2: Warrior podcast, too, um, that I'm hoping to level up very yeah, soon. Yeah, some so. stuff. I'm sure yeah. you can't yeah. say anything, yeah. but some stuff is in the some works. Some stuff in the works, yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Beefing
0: that up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be yeah. following very closely. Who do you have at the fights this weekend?
2: Uh, so my heart says Poirier. Okay. But it's going to be a tough one, man. So Poir- one of my biggest regrets <laughs> of getting off of Twitter uh-huh. was Dustin followed me which meant we could communicate. Oh, oh, man. And I got off Twitter, and then I said, okay, I'm going to log back on, get everybody's email address, because I had, like, three people whose email nice. address I wanted to get, and then I'm going to log back off, and it wouldn't let me log back on. And I was so upset. And it, it, it all started for, is because uh, Dustin had the coolest, at the time, I don't think this is his his cover photo anymore. His cover photo at the time was him in his, he had just gotten his Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and he's yeah, in his bathrobe that. with his yes. Bathrobe. Yes. jiu-jitsu belt drinking yes. coffee oh and I'm my like gosh. that is the coolest thing it's ever the best. like Sweetest I totally thing. want to do that yeah. One, yeah. one day when I get my and, and I like posted it and I said something and he he uh, he liked he liked it, uh-huh. and then he immediately followed me. I said, "Hey, man, thanks for following me." And he said, "Oh, I you know I saw that you served. Thank mm-hmm. you for your service." Oh. Cause Dustin's just a really good guy. Yeah, and and I ever since the uh, the documentary Fightland. Yeah, I've been a fan of his. Yeah. so I just and I, I think it's his time. He's yeah, you know he's absolutely. he's put in his dues. You know he he beat. The number the number one name in MMA. Yeah, he's got everything. Twice, twice. he's got everything but the belt. Uh uh-huh. yep. It's his. It's his it's time. His turn. I mean, he he yeah. made the
0: champ decision to to do the fight twice rather right. than go. Right. Yeah, the belt. I mean yeah. that's such it's a
2: that's, that's really that's just a double down. On it, not it. even yeah. that it's
0: his turn, but he's taking it. Like, yeah. It is. It yeah. is absolutely his for the taking. Yeah, time. Time. Like, I, I mean, am.
2: I, I know it's not going to be easy by any means. No, but I no, know he no. has. He's well rounded. He's got mm-hmm. the chops. I think he can do it. Yeah. Um. Uh, in the other championship fight. So, uh, Amanda and.
0: Um, is, it, is it Misha Tate? Or no, it's. The um, girl who beat Misha Tate.
2: No, it's uh, the Venezuelan vixen. Um, oh,
0: yeah. Um,
2: why am I her? blanking on her name?
0: <laughs> oh, wait. Keep so, talking. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. so, I've met We're her. I've met,
2: I actually met her. Yeah. So, uh, I met her backstage. My wife and I met her backstage at UFC 173. Three, sure when tj won the belt so she would it's we did uh, we went all out we did like a vip package very cool so we had like the cool area where they have buffet food out like all yeah. day long nice. and any ufc fighter who's at the fight mm-hmm. can come in at any time and just grab some food right, right. juliana so, peña juliana peña yeah so we met her she's really really nice mm-hmm. like you know you know really cool um i don't man, I just, I don't see, but then again, we, I mean, we thought Ronda was unbeatable too, right? Sure, yeah. So, you know, I, I haven't watched any of Juliana's fights in a while. Yeah. Um, I know she's always been a good fighter. I don't know if she's necessarily been that high caliber,
1: because
2: mm-hmm. Amanda's just a killer. She's, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, she's, she's got her work old. cut out for her. So, you know, interesting to watch. It'd be great. It'd Two be, really good fights. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be really cool to watch it and say, hey, you know, I, I met her once. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can. Scroll through my phone, find I got a picture somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to get, awesome. I, I could put that up. But uh yeah, I definitely wanna see I wanna see Dustin. Yeah. I wanna see Dustin with the belt. Because he, yeah. he's deserved it. He, he just mm-hmm. he deserved ultimately,
0: it. So much. Are you paying attention to O'Malley at all? Or is that still so is I he haven't, three fights away? I
2: haven't really gotten O'Malley fever yet. But okay. uh, Chael was talking to, to him and he's I guess he's moving so he's still not ranked, right? He's still I think he's ranked like 13 Yeah, but he's so still he's still kind of on the hype train, but yeah. but he's delivering it every turn, right? Yeah. So, um, and yeah, great personality, like, yeah. And it's and he's, it's, that's what you need in this business now. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Is because, uh, you know, it's funny. Chael said something on his show today or yesterday that I thought was interesting. He's like, Dana listens to you guys. And mm-hmm. that's, I and mean, I know that's a hundred percent true Yeah, because I know people that are good fighters, but maybe don't, they haven't got the general, they haven't got the casuals as interested yeah. in them mm-hmm. as they should be. Okay, uh, Jim Miller, who I know is a friend of mine. Jim's an amazing fighter, an amazing human being. Um, I Jim has not created drama because that's yeah, just not who yeah. he is. He's and not, not going
0: to go there either. I no, he, he doesn't. He
2: doesn't. Uh, he's like, I'm not going to manufacture a fake personality. Yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to be the heel. I'm not going to try to manufacture some fake drama. Yeah. And it, it's and unfortunately, you know, we we are in a situation where. Uh, the best fighters don't always get the fights that they necessarily yeah. need to progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Tim was a pretty good example of that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I wondered for a long time. You know, it's like you got a pretty much a real life Captain America right there. Yeah, why are you not capitalizing? Why not just
0: completely? Yeah, why are you just
2: totally not capitalizing? And it's, on
0: that? I mean, you look at uh, you know Colby Covington. Yeah, it's so obvious what he's doing and yeah. it works. Yeah. but it's not many people who are willing to take that much heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. to get their paydays.
2: Yeah, it's. Um, you know, Chael always did it in such a way mm-hmm. that it was so over the top, so right? over the top that yeah. you could tell this is the. It know, was WWE. Yeah, wrestling. he really was. He
0: was the one who this brought is a, wrestling. Yeah, personas yeah. to this.
2: This is an act. Mm-hmm. He's not that. And play. I mean, even if you didn't have the dichotomy of in interviews, he's a totally different person. Yeah. It, it was pretty obvious, yeah. right? Um, but with some people, I mean, that would that would have to wear on you over oh, time. It would have to. You know, yeah. you you hear about you know like. Andre the Giant being like mm-hmm. legitimately upset at yeah. hearing people boo him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know,
2: like really internalizing. That. Yeah. yeah, you know, so you got it. You know, guys like Colby and stuff like that. It's uh, it's kind of hurtful. Yeah, fun. being the heel, you mm-hmm. can you can only do it for so long. Yeah, you know, and I'm it's sure what, the
0: money is only worth it to a point. Yeah, right.
2: Like when John Jones heels. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really go full heel, but he is being himself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, when, when he calls DC, <laughs> hey, pussy, are you yeah, still there? he means it. That's real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's real. That's John <laughs> Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's real.
0: When you saw him, like, you know, powerlifting and wearing Dockers on whatever right. interview that was, yeah. you're like, that's not real. That's yeah, that's staged. A, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. staged. Heck, yeah. Yeah. I want John partying and, you know, yeah. calling people out. That's yeah, the John that's I want. That's the John that we want. Yeah. yeah. Heck, yeah. I just had to ask. I it's fair. like fights with this week. I had to yeah, ask. Doc. Truly, thank you so much for your service. Thank you both, man. First and foremost. Thank you for keeping people alive, but also respecting those that have died and just for being who you are. We really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Doc. Thank you. For spending more time than you planned on with us and enjoying it. I think it's officially our longest podcast. It's our longest podcast, and frankly, we would have kept going, but he had to drive Drive all the way back up north, which if you live in Austin, you know that driving north... It's synonymous with driving for an hour and a half. Yeah, pretty much. I'm going to go drive for an hour and a half is what that means. Yeah. So very thankful for the time he gave us. Hope that you got that tree up for your wife <laughs> and everything went well. And yeah, just such a good conversation. Uh, before we get to our next segment, we do want to remind you, just quick, quick plug, Never Rest Coffee Company. Never Rest. Never Rest. The never coffee stop, Never Rest. for people who never stop. Never resting. Do you have trouble sleeping? Well, you're gonna. Do you have trouble waking up? Not anymore. (laughs) Do you just want to perk up a little bit? Never rest Coffee Company. Don't forget, Never Rest Coffee Company, link in bio. Use code TEX ISH for 10% off off of your coffee order. It's not too late if you forgot a Christmas present. Get that Keurig delivered overnight. You got Keurig, you got a light roast, you got a dark roast. Great for espresso, great for a pour over, mm-hmm. and great for you know. I'm drinking it right now. I had a cup this morning, and yep. then guess what I did? Pooped. Yep. <laughs> Never Rest Coffee Company, ten percent off using code Texish. That's T E X I S H. Ten percent off at Texish at Never Rest Coffee Company. Never Rest. Got a poop? <laughs> Never Rest. You awake? Now you're more. <laughs> So uh, I heard that uh, you saw a certain someone. I, I saw him, and it was a lot safer of an interaction. Okay, yeah. And for once, it didn't even really happen to me. It just happened around just me. happened around you. Okay. And so I'm a little, I'm feeling safer, because okay. lately he has been... He's been all up in your girl He's been all up in my grill. Yeah. And I'm walking down the street the other day, and as you know, because you were kind of one of them, but not really, there's a lot of people from LA and from mm. California moving to Austin, moving to Texas yeah. in general. And come, bring your business, bring your personality, bring your politics. Just yeah. come, we're open. Yeah. You might cast your a flag, for you. bring, bring, bring an open mind. you are invited. Yeah. But I'm walking down the street, and I see a group of people who must be from at least California and most likely Los Angeles because they were all wearing Dodger hats with the L.A. Right. on them. Yeah, and they all had thigh tattoos. And they all had thigh tattoos, exactly. And so they have the hats on with the L.A. I, I think nothing of it because mm. I don't care. But as I'm walking down the street, I see this yellow blur just flying down the street Mm -hmm. i get scared because i think oh gosh it's about to happen i don't know what's going to happen but it's about to happen but instead of coming to a halt in front of me and harassing me the way that he usually does Mm -hmm. he comes to a halt in front of this group of people with the los angeles dodgers hats on and there are three of them He stops right in front of him and startles him because they're from California. They haven't had this interaction yet, you know, Mm. startles them and he's staring at him and they're staring back at him and he knocks all their hats off and stomps on him and he says, welcome to Texas. I'm the only L.A. around here. And then he got on his bike and rode off. (sighs) Oh, Lance. I mean whether it's balls or LA or just bikes, keeping people in check, you know. Just keeps them in check, man. I appreciate so, that about him. Yeah, if you if you see Lance, hit us with a DM at Texish. Try and take a picture, be careful. He might grab your phone. He might from you. Don't wear a Los Angeles Dodgers. Definitely cap. don't wear a Los he Angeles cap. He doesn't like that. Cap. If people want to message us on Instagram, yeah. do they need to message not Texish underscore pod? <laughs> Yeah, just go ahead and uh, message Texish. It's just Texish because Gunnar made an intern move <laughs> and forgot so the we're password. Gonna, we're going to open up. a Hopefully at this point it'll already be open. Um, I mean, it takes two seconds. takes two seconds. We will literally open we'll literally it right, open right after, it. after we end yeah. this. So <laughs> DM Texish yeah. on Instagram, just at T-E-X-I-S-H. There you go. Or you can send us an email to textish underscore pod at gmail.com. Nice. Just put the subject line Lance Siding. If you see him out there being a little troll, or if you see him delivering gifts to Goodwill, because mm-hmm. there are moments where Lance is a good person, yeah. send us that too. We're not trying to paint him to be a bad guy. Not trying to trash Lance. He's just we love va- Lance. He's just a facetious little effort, and yeah. sometimes we catch the bad side of him. But send us your Lance sightings. While you're at it, go ahead and write a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a written review for the Tex-ish podcast. The first five get a t-shirt. First five get a t-shirt that are literally on their way to your house yep, right now. Right now. Leave a review. Give us a follow on our new Instagram, at Texish. Go ahead and send me a DM roasting me for forgetting the <laughs> password to... It's not your fault. It happens. It, I mean, it's my fault. I had it to reset dir- my password last night. But like it's I, directly my fault.
1: <laughs> you can't even
0: say it's not my fault. Hey, man, we have, we have busy lives. We do a lot of things. But this is important. We have a lot of passwords. It's f- true. <laughs> but that's the pathetic part is I usually use the same password. Just get uh, just get your password tatted on your thigh so you can... <laughs>
1: just face <laughs> me.
0: Just facing you.
1: I'll put it in Morse
0: code. That <laughs> way it looks... Or you could get it on your face reversed Ooh, so you can so see that, it like in the mirror. mirror the yeah. there go. <laughs> be on the lookout for my face tattoo. It'll be my password. Anyway, leave us a review. Leave us a rating on Apple Podcast. Another ask if that's too much, just send a link to this episode to a veteran in your family or to a veteran whom you may know just to share Doc's interview with them. We know that people in the veteran community really appreciate Hearing people from Absolutely. their experience, so would love for y'all to... And we joke around a lot, but Doc really did give us a lot of good insight about what it means to do what he did and yeah. how to come out on the other side. Yeah. And I thought it was a really, really, you know, touching segment. It really uh, was. And, and we had a lot of fun, but there, there were a couple moments that were very real. And very honest and yeah. very... I was misty twice. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, it's a week later and I just texted him this morning telling him I'm literally still thinking about some of the stuff you said in our interview. So I hope I will. I hope you all get as much out of the interview. Share the episode. Screenshot Texas pod it on Insta. Follow the new Instagram at Texas. Email Texas underscore pod at Gmail with your land sightings. Ten percent off coffee and never rest with code Texas. Ten percent off coffee. Never rest. We appreciate y'all. Hope you're having a great start to your new year. Bye, Bye, y'all.